Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No Albertas. like I picked the wrong week. Good drink. Pyro Podcast, episode 16 of the 2015 offseason. This is show 180. Pretty sweet work, fellas. 180 of these suckers is awesome. And on this show, we're going to talk about in-season management. We did a couple podcasts ago, draft day do's or don'ts. Think of this as the equivalent of that during the season. We're going to be telling you things we like to do, things we like to stay away from. They cover a number of little sub-bullet points. I'm not going to mention them because I want you to listen to the podcast and hear them. So, as usual, I'm here with Houdini to the left of me. I got Dogmatica to the right. Stag party's out. Actually, no joke, at a stag party. I'm not even lying. You can't make the stuff up. We, it's called a bachelor party, but we'll call it a stag party in this case. Uh, and I am D-Rex. We are pyromaniac.com. Good times all around, obviously. Um, it did seem like, to be honest, it seemed like one of the more dead... I guess it's because you got two other major sports that are in their finals right now. But this is like the first time that I can think of, in the longest time I can think of, that the NFL literally didn't have one story gone. There really was not much. It's the most boring week of NFL. No one was arrested? Of, yeah, uh, that I could think of for like <laughs> two years. This is like the NFL's finally said, all right, hockey, okay, basketball, we'll give you one week. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it stags at a stag party, huh? You know, it just makes me... Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> stag. 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 Here's the thing. If it was stag, it's a little boy. I'd be like, yes, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're just giving you great, buddy. We love you. Hope you had fun. It's good to ha- let you uh, have a little moment away from uh, us old-timers, as you like to point out. Yeah, Stags. Joey, you like movies about gladiators. <laughs> uh, These are all going to be for you, Stags. Stags. 
<laughs> basically your Joey. Um, all right. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, you know, we were coming up with a number of topics going into this podcast, and all none of them felt like they were uh, overarching enough or something that we could really do our, our mini-series uh, Lonesome Dove-style podcast of... Um, so what we did is we re- kind of put the common thread that all these things that we were talking about really boiled down to components of in-season management. Okay, obviously right now between now and your draft is a very important time for you. This is what we're preaching to you: study now, hit it hard and early, get your tears going. But what you don't want to be is that guy that figures out and drafts the best team ever and has a great, great compliment of just just did nailed it, and then sits that he sits there and thinks he can just ride into the sunset with that team and not make in-season managements. I will tell you honestly, I've had teams that have been just rock star teams that you do kind of take your foot off the, the uh, you know the gas a little bit just because you think they're so awesome and then you look at the end of the season like wow I should have made should have been a little more hard hard on during the season and it would have been it would have been a no brainer so don't be that guy well think about it this way look into all of the leagues that you guys have ever been in and look at who the teams are that are the best teams. Go back and look at the team that they drafted and what the team is that they ended up with. I'll guarantee you 95 to 99% of the time, it's a different team. And they have different guys that they had drafted as starters to different guys that they're playing as starters at the end of the season. So you you have to realize that it's it's an ever-evolving thing. And so you cannot just rest on your laurels and think that you did all the work. You do all the work in the preseason and leading up to your draft to give you that leg up to then take advantage of what we're going to talk about today to give yourself a better team at the end of the year. It's, I mean, the same, same goes in regular sports. You know, If you're playing a sport, if you rest on your laurels and you don't continue to work, you don't become one of the best. And to be one of the best, you got to keep working and keep honing your craft and, and making the best team. Plus, in the end, I mean, it's, it's about fun. And what kind of fun is it to just sit there and not do anything with your team for 16 weeks or 17 weeks after, you know, after the draft? That's just no fun. Yeah, you know, to piggyback on what you were saying, Houdini, it's a good point. Individually, don't just look at what your the teams in your league, which I think is a great exercise. See see what the drafts held and see where the teams ended. And you know, obviously, try and pinpoint on the the the, the great things or the things that you should kind of emulate for the good teams, and look at the the crap teams and kind of say, you know, don't do that this year. But really, do it for yourself too. Go back for your individual teams, and you know, m- many of you are probably in multiple leagues. Do this for all your leagues each season. But go back a few years. Go back and look at the team that you had your best team from four years ago, and be like, what did I do? Bottle that magic. What did I do during that season that was the difference maker? What three to five things were kind of my formula for success in season? And if you do that, you can really kind of know other kind of things. Like, all right, if you're having a tough couple few weeks, you can you can think of it. You can be like, oh, you know what? I had a tough few weeks a couple years ago, and I and I shook it up, and I made some bit had some big moves. We'll talk about trading a little bit later, but I made some big moves, and that was totally the turning point in my season. Uh, you know, to use our first basketball reference, or actually, no, I already did. I talked about the NBA Finals, but. You know, Steph Curry and the Warriors went back and looked at what uh, the the um, the Spurs had done to LeBron in Game Four in last year's Finals or whatever, and they kind of bottled that up and they changed it up and they they put in Iggy and who knows if that's going to be enough for them to make the championship. But they went back and looked in the past. Looked at something that worked before in a model for even another team, and now are kind of reconjuring that up and using it for your own. There's no difference between that parallel in real fa- uh, NBA basketball and what you're going to be doing in uh, fantasy football for the NFL. I fully agree. I mean, it, plus it's a checking your ego type of thing as well. 
It wasn't Steve Kerr who thought of it. If, yeah. if you heard it, yeah. he, it was his 24-year-old assistant. Yeah. You know that I guess I, you know uh, power-hungry coaches don't normally listen to you know the younger guys, the younger assistants, or whatever. But I love that Steve Kerr checked his ego on that. Said, you know what, this kid's got a great idea. Let's let's roll with it. And and to give him credit in the end too, I, you got to give credit to uh, Steve Kerr on checking his ego at the door, doing what needed to be done regardless of who thought of it, and uh, giving credit where credit was due. And Good lying. Stuff. Yeah, and admitting to lying. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The truth is that one guy is the guy who basically—he's uh, the assistant coach. That essentially, is the guy that rebounds for Steph Curry. He literally is the video guy. Yeah. He's, I guess, scouts. He's a player he's a guy. Probably just, you know, he's a jack of all trades. Probably goes and gets coffee. He does everything, you know. But this is the guy that probably, for the amount of balls that Curry must shoot on a day-to-day basis, this guy's probably rebounded. Two million shots by that guy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> He's the Jonah Hill from Moneyball. Yes, exactly. Yeah, basically, yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, I think that's a, great, that's a great point. So just check out what's been going on in the past and use it for yourself in the future. Great in-season uh, advice. Um, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, and we'll drench this within some of it. You know, we're big in SOS here um, at, at Pyro, and, and we, we talk about it on a regular basis because we think in preseason, even and in season, uh, with the, the, the minutiae depth the dog goes through on a strength schedule. But preseason, it is just such a barometer. It's such a, it's, it clears such a path for you on what you should, should do and where you should take something. Uh, but on, in general, with your week-to-week in-season schedule that's going in the next version, no, that one's in the draft kit already. Uh, but in the next version of the draft kit, which you guys should pick up, um, is going to be uh, the week-to-week plus the deeper um, three-game stretch. Yeah, so yeah, three or more games in a row where your 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 player is playing against uh, one of the, the top ten toughest defenses or uh, top ten easiest defense to play against. And we, we point all this out to you in this next version. You got you guys will dig it. It's uh, it's good information there. And I think one thing that you brought up on a video or a podcast previously, and we can use this in, as a segue into trading, and we'll talk about strength of schedules littered amongst this podcast, I'm sure, uh, is on those windows when you're coming up to a roadblock schedule of three games, uh, or the other SOS thing you have is the first season and the second half of the season, where you we located and pinpointed a couple players that we said, oh wow, this guy's got a cakewalk. The first seven or eight games, uh, you know what you should probably do is ride him there, ride his hot ham. Hopefully he yields the uh, fantasy results for you, and then dish him. So when he hits the roadblock and hits a tough hat, second half of the season, he's not your problem, and you gained uh, the fruits of his early season uh, effort. Conversely, with that, it's like when you're preparing for your draft and you're looking at who are the teams that have that horrible first half of the season strength of schedule. So maybe you're avoiding those guys you're moving those guys further down on your tiers but you're not forgetting about them so you're always going to be while they may have a bad game three three out of four weeks you just keep planting the seeds to that owner saying you know you want to i can take that guy off your hands for you let me let me give you this let me give you that and you're using the strength of schedule to your advantage letting that guy suck up all the bad points from him and then getting him when the time is going to matter is it is it easy on the fly we can discuss some other stuff and pinpoint a couple players uh, that are, we have within that first, that are second half guys that maybe have a tough early road at any position you want, but come into the second half, uh, things look pretty favorable. So one, you could either draft that player a little bit later and know that you're kind of storing him for the second half, and uh, or that go for a tr- in-season trade after the guys had a bad first five games or something because you know he's got a tough schedule. Uh, any any guys you can point out? Uh, well, I mean, I could go the reverse real quick on. Yeah. on a certain guy here, a guy that I, I'm actually somewhat high on uh, this year, but 
will be great trade bait for later. Um, Buffalo Bills running back at LaShawn McCoy. Um, he's got the easiest first half of the, uh, the uh, year schedule. And then once you get into the second half of the year, it's the 26th. I mean, that's it gets a lot tougher. That's a big drop. That's a huge drop. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know if it gets much bigger than that. So uh, he's a guy that if you draft him or, you, you know, or whatever you get, have him for that first half of the season, start planting seeds with other owners around week six, seven, eight, and get everything you possibly can for him and watch them eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'll give you another one. That's, let's look at the same team here, right? Buffalo. Now let's look at Sammy Watkins, a guy who I'm real high on this year. His strength of schedule for the first half of the season is horrendous. It's 31st. Wow. Out of 32 teams, it's the second hardest schedule. But then you come to the second half of the season, and he's got the sixth easiest schedule. Nice. Yep. So yeah, that's another one. That's another guy that you can also, and if he's sliding down on draft boards where it seems like he is whenever we're doing our mock drafts, um, that's a guy that you want to be targeting for that Just second remember, half. Just remember, he's going to be on your team. I know. So remember, I know. when he sucks in the first I'm going to wait Someone's going to call and be like, hey, you want someone? Sure, he stinks. <laughs> that's why I'm going to be drafting a few more wide receivers right behind him. So. Remember, remember this show. <laughs> Well, we're not impervious to impulses ourselves. We get mad just like you guys. <laughs> very, very true. Um, a quick little pyro promo. Well, uh, come up if you guys could come up with a couple other guys uh, that are pretty sweet. But let me do a quick pyro promo. Thanks again to all you guys that are going to iTunes and giving us a five star rating and writing up a review for us. Appreciate that. I think we had something like five of them done this week. Do me a favor if you haven't done so yet and you're a regular listen, listener to our show, head over to iTunes, give us five star rating, uh, write up a review. If you are more of an Android person, go check us out on Stitcher or Spreaker. Follow us there. Um, I don't even know if they're really doing that many reviews or whatnot, but I believe there's a space for it. So if you want to do that, that'd be great. Uh, we're just trying to help build our, our stature uh, in iTunes because it helps you in the directory. And um, At the same time, we like reading uh, people's reviews, and I try and check it out every couple weeks or every week or so just so I can see how these things are going and what you guys are saying, and it, it's pretty sweet. So uh, appreciate that, and a little bit later I'll, I'll, I'll pull up... Uh, in a minute here, I'll pull up a, a review that came this week and give a shout out. Cool. Uh, I got. I mean, I got another guy real quick that I can throw out there yeah. that um, you know, there's a lot of varying opinions on him, and I've gone through my varying opinions on on the guy. I do believe that he's one of the top three to five receivers of all time, Calvin Johnson. Um, it, it, the first part of the year, he's got a pretty darn tough schedule. It's the uh, fourth toughest schedule in the entire league. Uh, for the first half of the season, but then once you get into that second half, fifth easiest, all right? And, you know, last year he didn't have the greatest year, and he had uh, some injuries to deal with. So he's going to be drafted a little bit later than normal this year in the first place. Someone's going to have him, and because of that tough strength of schedule, he might not have a very good first half of the year. So that's a guy that you can probably, you know, jump on for the second half of the year anyway, but the fact that he has that tough you know, first, uh, you know, seven, eight games or whatever uh, will make it stand out even that much more. And you'll be able to get him for, uh, you know, 10 cents a dollar. There you go. And here's another guy that happens to be in the same division, Chicago Bears. Everyone's probably figuring Alshon Jeffrey is going to have to blow up a lot more now with Brandon Marshall gone. Well, <clears throat> the fact is he's got the hardest schedule for the first half of the season. True. Hardest in the league. Marshall does? Uh, no, uh, Elshon. Uh, and the, the second half, it's the 12th easiest. So that's a that's a major jump into a, an easier schedule in the second half of the season. So, again, when he's suffering in those first couple weeks going up against Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle, uh, 
this is an opportunity now where someone's going to get frustrated with what's, what Alshon's not doing, yeah. and then you can reap the rewards in the second half. We've got a great Alshon story from this week from uh, a couple of our buddies. Moltz and Stavish went to the uh, Game 4, I guess it was. Uh-huh. Game 4, uh, was at home. Uh, right? Yeah. Was that Game 4? The last... The Blackhawks? Yeah. 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 Okay. And so they spent a bunch of money on some really solid seats and basically were like third row. Uh, close to the close to the benches. Basically, they're sitting there, and uh, some dude comes up, and is you know, uh, it was Alshon. They didn't really know like, who is that guy. They knew he was like tall and skinny. They thought he was more like a basketball player, but they didn't. They don't know the stuff like us. They didn't recognize. Him. But long and short of it, he and his, this this girl that he had, he had brought. The girl was wearing a Blackhawks jersey that had Alshon seventeen on the back. So probably got it like one of those halftime or inter, intermission sure. uh, Chicago sporting. Long and short of it. They swear that Alshon's girl was hitting on Moltz a lot and like talking to Moltz a lot during throughout the game. And basically Stavish at one point, this is such a people were coming up to Alshon all game, like, Can I take a picture with you? Can I take a and he's like, Yeah, you know, he's taking pictures of everyone around. Stavish, I guess in the third quarter after he's a little bit boozed up, goes to Alshon. He's like, Hey Alshon, can I get a picture? And he's like, Yeah, sure. And he hands Alshon the camera. <laughs> and I was trying to take a picture of Moltz, Stag, and his girl. <laughs> Did he do it? No, he was pissed. <laughs> I was totally pissed. And you know Stavish. Stavish, Stavish is this little dude, but he's the cockiest, biggest mouth person in the world besides me. It's so so Oh, my God. Everyone's asking pictures. Alshon thinks he's about to get a, another picture with them, and he wants... Alshon to take the, the picture, picture with his girl. Fantastic. <laughs> he wasn't happy about that. Great story, though. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Wow. Let's talk, let's talk about another thing that I think you know really important and something we really um, we really regard highly for for us in Dogmatica um, in season working on the rankings and then preseason Dogmatica really being the foremost force on stuff, but us doing our tiers. And us coming up with our collective tiers, and then right before the season starts for our fantasy pros, preseason accuracy, uh, draft accuracy, uh, we really kind of sit down together for you know a couple half days and nail down our to the bones, to the bones, start of the season, um, preseason rankings as a team. Uh, but really important in season is checking out week to week player rankings, doing it at the right places. You know, obviously ours are really good. Dogmatica finished tenth. Uh, tied with 10th. The best, best, Jerry. The best. The best. We finished 10th out of 134-ish uh, um, other fantasy quote-unquote experts out there. The year before, you were 5th. 5th. And then the year before that, you were 4th or 6th? It was 6th and 4th. Those three years weren't. It was 5th, 4th, 6th or something like that. Yeah. I, I can't remember the order. And just that. so it's known, last year at Fantasy Pros, while we love you guys, you did not add Week 17, and we're pretty positive Dog nailed it in Week 17. So if you did go back and wanted to update that and do Week 17, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm putting Dog top 6 again. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know why they haven't gone in and done that last game to add out those averages. Yeah. Uh, it really doesn't make sense. And they also haven't brought out uh, last year's accuracy yeah. Um, and we're here really a long time. Clinton told me he would have that out a while ago. But uh, I know they're busy with stuff, but that's a really important thing for uh, sites like us that really pride ourselves on our rankings. But enough about us and the fantasy pros. Um, the truth is, in season, these are really important things for you to pay paying attention to to help you with your starting lineup. 
Flight 209, are you are cleared for takeoff? Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9. Roger. Huh? Request vector. Over. Huh? Flight 209, are clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Our radio clearance. Over. That's Clarence. Over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger. Over. Huh? That feels like my head after last night right now. <laughs> huh? That movie. The best. Holy cow. If you don't know it, Airplane. Yeah. Hello. This yeah. Is what we're doing Airplane is the movie uh, and the music. Who, who you got rolling? Who's throwing out the, the music for us? We're, uh, a, awesome. a funky uh, Afro beat band from Australia. Uh, the Shaolin Afronauts. And it started out as a 10-piece band and it blew up to an 18-piece band. All instrumental. Uh, phenomenal. Check them out. They're on Spotify, iTunes, the whole deal. That's so. awesome. And usually we like to tell you what kind of Valverde's we're drinking. Today, it's Sunday morning, so, you know, we're basically, it's not even noon yet, and we're recording this. We're drinking coffees and water. Got my Dunkin' Donuts, uh, cream and sugar. Yeah, Dogmatico, where's I, your coffee from? I, well, I, I finished it. Well, <laughs> where, 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 where'd you get uh, it? It's, it's from, uh... Norton's! No, it's actually from, uh, what we call Home. Oh, uh, I made my own today. Yeah, you, you got one of those Keurig cups and you just plop it in there. Uh, and, well, French pressing. No, it ain't French pressing. <laughs> it's a, no, it's it's He's a normal his own old-fashioned co- coffee machine. Um, I, I think I probably would have been rest if I tried driving this morning. So yeah, I, I, I just stuck it out at home. You didn't want to add the hair hair to the dog, or what they call it, shampoo effect. If we were drinking right now, two beers would be slammed. Excuse me, I happen to be passing, but I thought you might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I want you stand. Thank you. Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. Still having a good time. <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Anyway, the reason why we are recording the show right now is to, you know, we did kind of because of the Blackhawks, our schedule has been a little bit off. We've been doing them in the off season on Wednesday, and it's lo and behold every freaking game again this week. Hopefully not, but potentially uh, game seven will be Wednesday as well. Uh, we'll talk about the Blackhawks a little bit deeper in the show and get our uh, get, get our rocks off on that for a bit. We're all a little excited about it, but um, at the end of the day, we're making up. For a week with this podcast here right now, um, so we told you we would, and we did. Uh, let's uh, let's a little bit more on player rankings, and maybe dog, you can you can give a little insight to you know why you put so much time and effort, and why you're so proud of uh, the rankings that you're putting out in season. You know, it's in season show uh, week to week. Uh, for our, you know, fans of our website and all that stuff, for it, for the draft kit, for the preseason. But what, what do you think is the big difference that the depth that you go to or yours offer? Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's it's how deep I go into the the studying aspect of figuring out who who's really going to have a better game this week. A lot of sites and a lot of uh, you know. Especially the bigger sites, uh, those guys who do the rankings and stuff—they're uh, they're big names, and you know all their names. You know Matthew Barry or whatever. That you know they're they're some you know somewhat famous, like infamous type guys uh, that you know are always on ESPN or CBS Sports or or Yahoo or whatever. Um, Barry's got a hotel chain commercial going on right now, which I was just thinking, God, does he? Yeah, he's doing like a hotel chain. It's not like a big one, but. 
Comfort, it's, comfort in? Yeah. Motel six. It's like comfort in, dude. Uh, well, it, it, those guys, they have other things going on besides, you know, doing their rankings. They have other things going on besides uh, concentrating on fantasy. So they don't. They, they just don't put in the efforts. They see the names. They'll see the big names. Like, oh, this guy's up near the top. Oh, wait, he's playing a tough defense. I'll knock him down two spots. And that's basically what they do. For me, I mean, I study throughout the week. You're you like, know, for like, me, I got nothing going on. I got nothing going <laughs> on. <laughs> Just kidding, I mean, I make my coffee every day, and then it's fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of studying and a lot of uh, going really deep into opposing defenses and not just the defense themselves, but the players, actually, who they're going to be going up against, which uh, which cornerbacks do well against, uh, you know, guys with certain heights or certain speed, um, which second and third receivers uh, will do better against the second and third corners on teams, which linebackers are slightly injured and, and can't plug the holes the way that they normally would, or which ones can't get back in coverage the way that they normally would. Uh, these are the things that you really have to look at very, very in-depth to get an accurate gauge on the rankings for each week. And that's what I do. And on top of that, let's just put it also a, a little a promo for Pyro Pro. Because one of the things that, uh, that I'm also heavily involved in, as is Mo and everyone else, is we're helping to do the write-ups for these rankings. And so knowing how what you're doing, and then we're also having to take your uh, every, all your minutia and explain it to, to all you fans that are out there. So we're able to, to, to talk about knowing that it's this type of a defense. Look what this defense has done against these receivers that they have gone up against in the past. This is going to be predictive of what you're going to see coming up this week. This is why Dog has him ranked where he has him. And we are all in tune on this. And that's what makes it so much so valuable for, for you guys. So if you're a Pyro Pro member, you're going to get this every week where it's, it'll give you... W- w- explain. It's going to pull, it'll pull any of the players that you've... Uh, Early, uh, said you want to follow, it'll pull their rankings automatically in your dashboard. So if you got you got up to thirty guys, and you got Peyton Manning, you got uh, Russell Wilson, and you got um, you know Tom Brady across a couple different leagues, and those are the guys you want to follow. And then on the flip side, you want to f- follow Teddy Bridgewater and uh, another guy that might be on your radar to see how they're doing. Automatically, them plus your other players at different positions, their rankings are going to pull directly into your dashboard. So you don't even need to go and, which is fine. Maybe you like looking at other players and going to the player. Rankings uh, tab in Pyro Power in Pyro Pro, but you'll be able to just get it automatically brought into yours, and you'll also be able to see what their that strength of schedule is for that week. You'll also be able to see injury updates. You'll also be able to, and then you don't you don't always have to just go to your dashboard. You want to look at the general rankings. You want to see who you're playing against. Yeah. You want to see what their what their players that yeah. they're lining up against you are set to do, and maybe that changes how you're going to make a, a play with your wide receiver three or your flex player to maybe you need to get more steady points or you need to get a, a breakout player based on. The the type of matchup that you're going up against that week. And when we launch Pyro Pro, the one thing that will happen, we're, we're figuring out exactly uh, what the what the formula is going to be, but we're not going to be giving you the write-up and a lot of that strength of schedule and a lot of that kind of uh, as secondary detail in each uh, that goes along with each of the player write-ups for the week that we do and Dogmatica's ranking and where he's got the guy at the position. Uh, you're not, if you're not, if you're just a free member on Pyro Pro, it's, you're not going to be able to see all of it. You know, we're not going to be showing you 
you all the rankings. We're we're kind of gonna <laughs> we're gonna start we're starting to pull some uh, you know put some some paywalls on the content, uh, and that's just because we're taking this thing to the next level. And Pyro Pro is the first uh, step towards doing that, and I think it's it's worth it. Whatever we're charging for these rankings and these write-ups and all the other secondary components will be a part of Pyro Pro. It is worth it. And let's just face it, we can't do it for free. Yeah, we've been doing it, been doing it for six years for free. And we're always looking at each other, and whenever we talk to people about this awesome company we're doing, and everyone's always like, so, how much, you know, first question, how many users you got? How much money are you making? And you're like, well, we're not making, oh, so it's a hobby. And you're just like, want to punch them in the face. Yeah. Like, no, we got people that love us, and that just this company's heading in the right spot. So, to, to validate it as a company and not a hobby, we're starting to charge for stuff. We're taking this plane, and we're going to land it. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. But can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? <laughs> uh, yes. What's that? Leslie Nielsen? What's his name? That's Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, and uh, I, I put a response on Facebook. Uh, it was Jared. Uh, yeah. Kingpin will be coming. I just yeah. got to get the movie, download it, and, uh, and and take care of business. But you mentioned Leslie Nielsen. I think Naked Gun might have to make a, an appearance, too. Oh, for, sure. for sure. No, for sure. For sure. Well, let's do that. Actually, Jared asked us a question on Facebook. Check us out there. If you are not, if you haven't liked us or not using and interacting with us on Facebook, you should. It's good times over there. We love all the banter and all the people uh, responding and, and saying funny stuff and posting good pictures. But Jared Tabor, uh, he's got a question on Facebook. I, I asked yesterday for people to give some questions we can answer on the air. Jared Tabor, I am the biggest fan of your podcast. I would like some draft strategies depending on where I draft, either in the beginning, the middle, or towards the end of the first round. It is a 16-man PPR snake draft. Also, when when would you draft a quarterback? We have caps on the starting roster for running backs, three of them, and quarterbacks, two of them, to make it fair and competitive for everyone in the league. When would you think about drafting a backup quarterback? Starting roster consists of one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, a kicker, and a defense. Thanks, guys. Keep it rocking. Um, so, a lot of, lot of stuff to fill out there. I say the first question that he really has got uh, draft strategy is uh, beginning, middle, towards the end of the first round uh, if he's drafting there. Well, let me, let me jump on this. I'm in a 16-team league. And let me make a suggestion for, for their league. Switch it, even though it's a one-year, if it's an annual league, switch for a 16-team league to an auction format. It'll, it'll make things a lot more interesting where you really will get a chance to... You know, if you're drafting at number four, and then you got to wait how many picks for it to come back, it just gets to be ridiculous. Auction format really it, it, it makes you have to be smarter about how you're spending your money. And some guys are going to get left with a bunch of crap at the bottom of their lineup, where other people are going to delve into saying, "Okay, I'm not going to spend all my money on these top guys, and I'm going to nail down all these second tier guys." Uh, but let's go back to your question. So you're in a snake draft. Good if, if you're in the beginning of the draft, I think at that point in time. Uh, 16 teams, quarterbacks are a premium. Uh, there's, there's no doubt. So, you know, you still want to have those top running backs, and I still think that if you're in those top four picks, you're probably going to be going running back there. But once that dries up, then it's, it's not necessarily a bad idea to grab another quarterback because there are going to be people in those 16-team leagues. Always happens who load up on the quarterbacks, even though you might put 
a limit to two, they're going to grab those two early because they know that that's the highest scoring production value of, of any of the players, and someone's going to have to pay up to get that quarterback if they are left with E.J. Manuel and uh, <laughs> and uh, Josh McCown as their starters because they were grabbing all the, the wide receivers and running backs first. Now, for me, again, if I'm in the in the middle of the draft, I think that's where I'm still focusing on wide receiver. Uh, you know, let after that top depth of that running back position goes away, I want to get one of those top tier wide receivers, whether it be a Julio Jones, a Des Bryant, an Antonio Brown, you know, potentially even a Demarius Thomas. Even though I know it's going to be diminishing returns on Demarius Thomas this year, but you or you know even a Jordy Nelson, you want to get one of those guys to stud up your lineup. And then same thing if you're at toward the back. If you're toward the back and you know that you're going to have that quick wrap, maybe that's where you're also looking at seeing where those tiers have, have fallen, where the guys are dropping. Is, is one of the top three quarterbacks still available? Can you grab an Andrew Luck or an Aaron Rodgers? Uh, even that number six, seven, eight, nine, maybe that's where you want to grab one of those. But then if you're that next one, if one of those guys that's the top four quarterback is available, grab them and a wide receiver or them and a, and a running back if you're still in those in those good tiers. And in that, when I, I would think in a 60-man league, since you, what you said, one, you got a cap and two people are going to be going early. Focus on the guys that you think are playing 16 games. And that's why in that very early, a guy like Luck, would, I, I, it would be hard not to pull the trigger on him in one of those first four picks if he's around. Because you just basically don't have to go back in and deal with a quarterback for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. He could get injured this year. But I'm going into this season with guys like Eli Manning, uh, 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 Andrew Luck. I, I just really feel like they're going to be giving you a nice 16-game uh, suite of games. Uh, so I like that. I like that a lot. I agree with you on the on the Andrew Luck, especially with if running yards and, and touchdowns are worth something, especially now that he has more weapons around him. You know, so many more weapons. It, I mean, it's night and day the team, the talent that he's got. Last year, it was it really was T. Y. Hilton and other guys came up big. Like, but it really was, he didn't have any talent. And look what he did. The first was it the first seven or eight weeks he threw for over three hundred and seventy yards, like four or five times. Was, I mean, it was insanity. Yeah. I mean, the, with, the, nobody. The, with nobody, with <laughs> nobody. I mean, Reggie Wayne was. I mean, he wasn't. He, he couldn't Shell be a fourth receiver yeah. uh, on most teams last year. That, that, that's how bad it was. And we love Allen Reggie got Reggie. injured again. Uh, I mean, Bradshaw ended up getting injured. He wasn't even the starter to begin with. Uh, it was just wow. It was a smorgasbord of. I mean, Trent Richardson really. <laughs> and, and, I mean, this is what he could do. Uh, I mean, with, with now a Gore, a, a Andre, Andre geez. Johnson. I mean, you're and Philip Dorsett in the draft with Dorsett the, the, the draft. damn speedster out of uh, Miami. You know, and you still yeah. got Moncrief there, so he's who could be getting pushed down to either three or four in the wide receiver depth chart. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I like your your advice on. Um, on what to grab and when, I think it's uh, a tremendous, tremendous thing. Remember that when you're playing PPR, it's uh, you don't. It's not always the big name that you're looking for. You got to go a little deeper with PPR because catches obviously matter. Um, somebody like a Julian Edelman will, will shoot up your your list a little bit. Uh, even a Brandon Cooks or something like that. Guys who are going to get a million targets and make a million catches for you. That's it's going to pay uh, dividends for you in the end. So watch out for that and look for the uh, you know the, the hidden gems a little bit later too because PPR uh, provides for some of those hidden gems that uh, you could probably get a little bit later on. So re- just remember that remember that going into round six, seven, eight. Um, do a little research. The one thing I'd say here is if you're capping running backs as well to three, that sounds like that's, that in this league, running backs are going to be going, they're all going to be gone in the first three rounds. 
You know what I mean? If you're capping, so I, while I would go with that, or if I had an early round pick, I would probably go with one of the guys, quarterbacks, I think is going to last longest. But if you're capping three running backs per team in drafts, I think that's going to be the value position. You're not going to be able to get like a Hillman in the 10th round in that league. Those guys are going to be gone, are more of like middle rounders probably. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think that the fact that it's a cap on three means that there's going to be more available toward the later rounds and, and knowing also how many guys especially rookies that end up stepping up and performing guys that you have never heard of that are like taken later in normal drafts you'll have an opportunity with some of those guys this is where a guy like uh, one of the guys that we're high on uh, over in Baltimore Buck Javoris Buck Allen yeah. is going to be especially in a PPR format and Mark Tressman's offense is going to be a guy that you can you can probably you know uh, put as a sleeper for yourself and, and target him later on in the draft but I want to answer this question about how do you draft the two quarterbacks in that league? Because again, being that that's the position that scores the most, being that there's only, there are 16 teams, there are 32 teams in the NFL, and you know that there are going to be injuries and other things that are going to happen. For me, in that situation, I really it, it, I want to have one of the top top five quarterbacks if I can, and then I want my second quarterback to be a top 16 if possible. Mm-hmm. No law, no further than top 18. To, I, I don't want to go into the last. Uh, third of quarterbacks because then it's just a bunch of, it's a bunch of crap mm-hmm. and then grabbing that quarterback at that point you're not getting that much more value you're not going to get a trade value for it but if you get two of the top 16 quarterbacks now all of a sudden you have a potential to do some damage and and to be able to make trades and that's kind of what we're talking about looking at your draft and saying okay I'm making this draft not for what the team is going to give me after the draft but for a trading potential that I'm going to get and what I can garner for getting this extra guy that's going to be initially on my bench. And, you know, when there are 16 teams, if you happen to grab two of those top 16 uh, you know, quarterbacks or even two of the top 12 quarterbacks, you're also screwing, uh, completely yeah. screwing another team. Right. And you know? you're giving yourself in-season in trade. Same thing goes for a tight end. In a league like this, maybe you go and you, in the first five rounds, you grab a, a couple, few of the great tight ends it might be risky, but if you grab two of the top uh, higher-end tight, tight ends, there's so many teams that I mean are going to have crappy, crappy zero points from their tight end in that league that someone might have some value and covet that and be missing missing that position but have a lot of depth at quarterback himself or, or wide receiver or running back. So there's other ways, tactical things you can do that can blow up in your face, but uh, I, I like taking chances this and is, getting the best player on the board sometimes. This is definitely uh, the type of league where you have to pay attention big time during the draft of what other teams are doing. Yes. Because when you have a cap on quarterbacks and a cap on running backs, you see them hit that cap, you know they, they're not going to draft that position anymore yeah. and can't. You know what they're drafting next. So, I mean, that's uh, you pay attention to that stuff. You can get a real leg up and... Uh, certain things, and you can dra- you can plan your draft almost around what you're seeing other people do. Uh, it's a re- it's a very reactive type of draft, and you really got to pay attention. I think what's also unique is that we talk we talk about like you know trade advice in these type of situations. Sixteen team leagues, you have to trade, and everyone in that league knows they have to trade because everybody's got gaping holes on their team. There's not anyone that has you know a, a stud lineup from top to bottom in a sixteen man league. You may be in a ten team league. In 10-team leagues, yeah, your benches are stacked because there's so much more talent that you're able to pull from. But when you add those extra six teams, everyone's got holes. Everyone's playing question marks. And and then people covet certain players, and then they have to trade. They have to find a way to to make a deal. And in my 16-team league, it's ridiculous. We probably average about three to four trades a week. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. That is awesome. Um, Another thing that will play into this type of draft 
is really paying attention to uh, the power numbers that, that we go through. I think that because yeah. there's so many players out, I mean, with 16 teams, and I mean, I don't know how many rounds you're doing. I would assume it's at least 12 to 50, 15 yeah, rounds. Probably or something. gotta be probably not even be like 18. It could be like you're drafting almost everybody. At that yeah, time. pretty much. Later on in the drafts, get guys on good teams. Plain and simple. I mean, you're not. You know, once it gets to the 10th round, don't draft a third wide receiver on the Browns. Just don't do it. You know, don't draft a you know third, fourth wide receiver on the Texans. Don't do it. You know, get guys on teams that you know are, are volume-oriented and uh, put up a lot of points. Uh, let's talk about this because it's another one of our things that we're going to be talking about in this podcast. It's foreshadowing. In this type of a league, you're forced to do that foreshadowing first. And that's, that's what Dog is saying with the power in numbers. Look at the fact that who's the guy on that power team that if someone gets hurt ahead of him, they're gonna they're gonna shine and they're gonna step up. Who's the Devonte Adams for 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 another team this year? It could be a Cody Latimer. It could be there's there's a myriad of guys. What happens if Andre Johnson pulls up late? Well, then all of a sudden Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett, who are both question marks right now, battling for the number three spot, they all slot up and they're with a great quarterback. So yeah, find those type of situations, and that's where you're going to be able to make big dividends and foreshadow in a 16 team league or a 14 team league. Foreshadow early on. Make smarter picks with your last picks. That's, I mean, last year, another great call would have been Martavis Bryant. You knew that he wasn't going to start off early, and you knew that he had the talent, he had the size, he had uh, the system to be in. If you, if you were foreshadowing and you were looking at what could happen later on down the line, he was on your radar, whether you drafted him or picked him up in the first couple of weeks. Uh, that, that's another guy, and, and foreshadowing plays a huge, huge difference, in, especially in a 16-team league. Well, let's use that as the as the segue. Uh, I hope we got you, Jared. That was a good little uh, good good answer to the questions there. Jared, do not feel bad that you drink Lion and Kugelberries. Uh, he posted it up on Facebook. He's like, "Is it bad? Am I a girl? If I like to drink Lion and Kugelberries?" And no, fruity drinks are terrific. Do not just be you. Do you? Uh, I like fruity drinks, and it doesn't make me any worse. Jerry, you ever hang around a gymnasium? <laughs> my, my sentiments exactly, Jared. Jared, you ever hang around? Um, well, let's. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to uh, to mention is a, a little pyro uh, plug here before we continue down that foreshadowing theme for in season stuff. That that question from Jared uh, on Facebook was a little bit more of obviously the draft and the preseason stuff, but we'll get back to in season. Uh, but before we do that, really something exciting is happening uh, with the Pyro Podcast. Moving forward, I think, I don't want to give a time to it, but I think it should be within the next two weeks. Maybe it's ten days, but within the next two weeks, we are going to be unveiling what we're calling Pyro Podcast Light. And it's a great thing that Stag Party and Mo are really kind of spearheading. Uh, I mentioned it briefly a little bit on the show last week, I believe, but um, just make sure you check that out. Basically, it's going to be a bit more of a... Of a um, Systematic and, and templated one-hour show. So we're going to be they're going to be doing talking about news. We're going to be talking about the play of the week. They're going to be doing some daily fantasy stuff. They're going to be doing uh, sleepers of the week. You know all these kind of like set kind of pieces that they're going to be going through on a week-to-week basis. There will be a round table of people coming in. I think Valverde is going to help them out a bunch. Uh, you know, one week maybe Dog will be on the show with them. Another one, uh, Houdini or, or, or myself, D-Rex will be on the show and. Uh, it should be really exciting. So now you're going to get more things where we're talking about news. You know, we really, all these shows that we do on the Pyro Podcast, 
Here, with the four of us usually when Stags is here, is very one-off, very free-form. We talk about it during the week. We're trying to do original things and not keep beating the dead, the, the dead horse, and sometimes it's tough to do that. But every show we do, all these, uh, I mentioned Lonesome Dove earlier. What's another one? The, the bird, what, what is the, uh, the one with the, the, one of those mini-series? Oh, uh, uh, give, me, give me one. Give me a mini series. I don't oh, know. Lonesome <laughs> Dove. What's that? Blue, other blue and gray. The blue versus gray. That was the old one. Oh, the yard birds or whatever. What was that one? Um, the yarn birds. Oh, whatever. Thornbirds. Thornbirds. Hey, there you go. Hey. hey. So mini series one on one. But it should be really exciting to have that show. Um, you know, you guys. Always telling us, hey, we need more podcasts. And people are always like, can you do a second podcast? And yes, we're doing it. And uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. We're not sure if this is going to be a uh, free model or part of the Pyro Pro. We'll get to that. Uh, we're working out all that sort of stuff real time as we build this thing out. Uh, but you guys should be really excited because uh, Stags knows the stuff. Mo, if you haven't been watching his videos, he's been taking a break. But at, starting on Monday, Mo's back on the scene, which is great news. Uh, we're really happy. He's kind of taken a little bit of time off that he needed, and uh, we were psyched the school year's over. So he's back on Pyro full-time and super excited about it. But excited for you guys to get that Pyro podcast light coming within the next couple weeks. What flying experience have you had? Well, there's two single-engine fighters in the Air Force, but this plane has four engines. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. It's an entirely, entirely different, different kind of flying. flying. Uh, entirely different kind of podcast. It is. It is. It should, it should be great. Uh, all right. So back. I am so watching that movie later today. You're <laughs> real. So good. Wow. All right. So we got um, foreshadowing. I think that's one of our really old concepts. We kind of came up with that one a real long time ago, and it's just kind of we, we we boiled it down, and I'll let you guys talk about it. Uh, but just thinking about in what people that were successful were doing. In your leagues, and the moments that were you were your most successful in fantasy football, it really was looking ahead. We you have this way when it's week to week to week to week within a season, your mind kind of compartmentalizes things into the this week for this Sunday, whether when it's Monday or Tuesday. And what foreshadowing does is it kind of opens it up a bit more. So you're thinking a few games down the road. You're thinking in next week. You're thinking ahead. Don't always just think that your season. Goes in sixteen or seventeen week to weeks. It's exactly what it is. And when we always talk about your in-season management type of stuff, what are you doing? You have people who have waiver wire, and you have waiver wire priorities. This is where you know it's also very important to look at, you know, using the strength of schedule, knowing where a team is going to have a good block of games coming up for it, but it's two weeks away. Well, instead of waiting for that player who's going to reap the benefits then and have to use your waiver wire priority number one in order to get him and because you're waiting until it happens and everyone most people in your leagues are going to be reactive people they're going to be seeing the guy who did a great the week before and then they're going to grab him you need to foreshadow see that ahead of time grab the guy two weeks ahead of time he may sit on your bench for two three weeks but then you're going to have him when everyone's like oh they're, look, they're looking for that guy now they're like he's already on d-rex's team why is he already on d-rex's team why does he always have that guy and what you just it, it makes sense that is part of the joy of it when you do do this you drive people nuts because you're smarter than them. And you're doing things, like you said, not reactive and reactionary and doing it when you've already seen the proof is in. You kind of looked ahead and engaged guys that are that are that breakout possibilities and could happen down the road. And when it does happen, like, how did he know that that guy was going to do it this week? And it just makes 
people like infinitely hate you when you're doing those kind of moves, <laughs> and, you're like, so and that true. feels good. You know what? It, it, week one, there's always going to be, and it, to be honest, it happens every week, but it stands out the most in week one because it's it's week one. Um, there's always going to be a handful of guys that you either didn't, never heard of, never considered, or you know weren't high on your priorities that aren't on your fancy team that break up. That, that just have an outstanding game. Um, I, I seem to remember a couple years ago, a guy in Dallas, I, I think, had like yes. three touchdowns, two or three touchdowns. Dreadlock guy. Yeah. Uh, Ogletree. Was that who it yeah, was? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly who it was. Um, and everybody was clamoring on the waiver wire to get that guy. And I, I remember being asked by a Pyro fan, should I go after this guy? I told him, no. Do not, dude. you got to understand that some of these guys, it's the situation they were in. It was... Uh, you know, maybe Dez was being uh, triple covered, you know, and this guy was just, uh, you know, wide open all the time or whatever. Look at the situation. Don't fall for the hype on that first uh, that first week. You know, there's a research to be done into that. Don't just jump on the the biggest thing that came along in week one. You're giving up your waiver wire spot. you got to be foreshadowing. you got to be looking ahead and jumping on the Kevin Ogletrees of, of the world is not going to do it for you. No, that's true. And I think last year, the, the, everyone thought the best pickup, the guy who had waiver wire and when uh, when uh, Jonas Gray got picked up in, what, week 12 or something, everyone was like, you look, in my main league, the guy that was in first place, hadn't been picking people up, he was number one, and he picked him up, and everyone was like, season's over, season's over. Look what happened. So Ogletree didn't have another touchdown, I don't think, that season. Jonas, I don't even know if he had another 12 carries for the I rest mean, of the season. I think he was a healthy scratch a couple of, you know, mm-hmm. that's a hockey term, but a healthy scratch for, you know. So I think the next few games. That's not. We're not to say that you shouldn't be going and drafting guys after they have their breakout game. I didn't do that. Uh, in all honesty, I didn't do that with um, um, with Hillman, and I regret it. Obviously, he went down and CJ got. But I kind of was sitting there and I hadn't really seen enough of Hillman. I'm like, you know what? It's still. Good. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be his. And all of a sudden, he had, he went on a great run. I was like, oh shit. You can't. So you gotta pounce sometimes. But what the the moral of this story is. Try and really look at schedules and look at these trends and look at guys that are stinking. And there's other components we'll mention later that kind of uh, back this up. But look at other guys or situations where it's like, wow, there might be somebody new coming into the slot there. Uh, and pick that dude up before before something happens. Or somebody's always banged up but playing through it and they might just shut him down for a bit. If that guy's still available that's going to be slotted into his place, grab the guy now. Uh, so that when he does start two or three weeks down the road, he's already entrenched on your team. Uh, here's let me let me also give you some foreshadowing to deal with rookies, right? You know, rookies are making much more of an impact as we know in their first years than they ever have. But there's a lot of them. It takes them time to get acclimated to the NFL, to understanding the playbook that they're in. And so the coaches don't trust them in the beginning part of the season. So what happens is you have uh, guys like last year. You mentioned Martavis Bryant. Let's throw out like a Trey Mason and guys like that who it, it took them longer to get into the fold. But once they did, then they were producing. And the problem was the teams that all drafted him, who did nothing, he did nothing for the first six weeks of the season, they drop him. And then you're able to pick them up off the waiver wire and two weeks weeks later, lo and behold, you're getting production. So when you're looking at, say, what their total number is and points scored for the entire season, it's not necessarily going to be all that great. But what did they do in a four-week stretch? What did they do in these windows when they finally got the opportunity? That's when you want to be looking for these guys and paying attention to those rookies. In that case last year, I, I, in two different leagues, I was able to pick up Tom Brady in the fifth uh, week, and then I think I got, uh, in a different league, I got DeAndre Hopkins, I think, in week four. 
No way. People just drop these. They, you know, one of the leagues is a real short bench, and I hate that league because it's just like, it's just pick up and drop, and it's this like yeah. cyclical thing. I do not like leagues that have just too short of a benches where you get like five, six guys, and it's just like, it's just a, it's just a, uh, just a crapshoot on who you're dropping. Sometimes you got it, and I don't like, I don't like. But it does. It, but but here's the thing, though. It does force turnover, so it does force you to have to be on top of your game. Because I'm in one of those leagues too, where it's not even a team defense. You start two defensive players. That's and you only get four bench spots. Jeez. So you have to always be dropping somebody. Yeah. You can't draft like three guys that have the same bye week because you're screwed if they're all your <laughs> you get when you do that. Wow. No, that may, that definitely makes it tougher. I, I, I agree there, though. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the short bench, but it really does force you to stay really on top of things because because there is a lot of turnover each week does make a difference. Um, so looking ahead, even a week or two in, in advance, is, is going to make that much more of a difference because it's so accentuated with all the drops and, and ads and stuff. True, true. Uh, foreshadowing. So I think. You know, an important thing that I like to, to lock in on when I'm thinking about foreshadowing is, is is thinking about you know one obviously trying to get the players that you uh, are really that you really like and are on the teams that you really like, and then it's and it go, the power of numbers thing you mentioned before. Foreshadowing can kind of really help within that 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 kind of uh, power and numbers world where it kind of doesn't make as many available players kind of be on your foreshadowing possibility guys. You know, really focused on the guys that are on the good teams, so that you're not going and and, and jumping earlier, uh, picking, making a pickup earlier or a waiver wire pickup earlier um, on a dude on a crappy team. So if you, you kind of can, you can kind of almost cut down half of the field by focusing on the teams that are going to be good and fantasy relevant in some regard when it comes to foreshadowing. Because it's, it's hard to make great calls when you've got 200, 150 viable players at your disposal. It, it also, too, it's look more than just at statistics. Okay, sometimes it's really important to, to see highlights and see what guys are doing. You may have a guy that ended up on a day with four catches for 110 yards and a score, but he was targeted 12 times and he had three major drops. You know, this is the type of thing where then the trust level between the quarterback and that and that receiver is going to go away, and they're going to start spreading the ball to other guys who are not going to make all those drops. You know, a guy like last year who who was was kind of symptomatic of that, and then Odell Beckham took over, was Reuben Randall. And if it wasn't for Victor Cruz going down, Reuben Randall probably would have become a lost man in that offense last year. So he knows that he needs to step up, and it's like, look at how guys, what, what are guys' tendencies? He's a body catcher, or is he a hands catcher? Is, is this guy a, a run a, a, a tackle breaker, or is he needed to be in open space, and is he a speed demon? These type of things will indicate to you Maybe I need to look at who's the guy behind them on the depth chart because their lack of effectiveness is going to create opportunities for other guys. Listen, I am a gigantic stats guy. I always have been. I mean, I worked for a company called Stats Inc., uh, Stats LLC now, uh, for almost 10 years. I mean, that, that's, that's my trade. That's my bread and butter. I, I'm a huge stats guy. But I can't stress enough how much the eye test makes a difference. Uh, what, what got me on the Andre Ellington, the Duke Ellington, um, trained three three years ago, and he came into the league, and he was drafted. He was drafted a little bit later, uh, but it was the eye test. I, I you watch uh, some of his college tape, and you watch the way that they run, and you understand the reasons why he was drafted a little bit later. He had injuries. He didn't do so well at his uh, the pro days and the, and the, and the combine stuff because of the injury. 
Uh, but you watch that stuff, you, you watch him on tape, and you're like, holy, holy crap, this guy's going to get this starting job here eventually. Um, so I was, I was on that train immediately, just looking at how he plays the game. You can't just do everything on the stats. It's not going to work that way. There's a plenty of players who have gone on to be studs in the NFL who didn't, didn't put up great college stats, whether it be uh, you know, the system they were in or, or, or whatnot, or uh, maybe injuries or playing next to, to some you know, five-star recruit and they didn't get the, as much of a chance. But if you watch tape of them, yeah, you watch some tape of them and see the way that they really play, you can judge a lot better than just looking at the stats. Let me give you another thing that you can do too, because maybe let you're not. Let, let, able, me, let, me, oh, go ahead. let me ride on that one a little bit because it kind of goes back to what you were saying with looking at whether, how a guy catches and trends on certain teams. You know, SLS. Some people have a hard time believing our SLS is great because they think, oh, defense has changed so much every year, and things are so cyclical where a great defense will be crappy the next year, and and the different details that you put into it help. You know, change the year to year and put all those things in, into reconsideration for now. But, you know, for players, there's offenses and situations that change. If a defense is one of those teams that now is kind of going from being this awesome time control, keeping the other, keeping their offense, uh, getting the ball back to their offense so they can score a lot of points, so like letting a lot of points score, or being kind of a not a great defense, but not a terrible one, so the other team can um, maintain long drives. Uh, what you want to do is focus on players that you may want to ditch that you thought, wow, I, I thought he was going to be a, it was going to be a situation where they were going to be on the field for 30 minute, 32 minutes a game, and they're not. He's not anymore, and he's not getting these opportunities. So the other side of the ball and how the defense helps the offense that your players are on uh, are affecting and are something that you need to foreshadow and look at and see if in the first five games. They're just not. They're they're winning games so much, and their defense is so good that they're just running it more than needing to play catch up and and be in high scoring games. That's not going to help your wide receiver two. There, the guy that's your wide receiver three that might be a wide receiver two on that team. Notice that and be like, all right, this is going to be a different type of season for this player, and maybe I need to move him, or maybe I need to bench him, uh, or what have you. So think about the defensive side when you're doing with uh, anything in season and the trends for foreshadowing. What I was also going to say is, is to the point of where I'm saying you need to see what guys are doing. Well, maybe you don't have time, but there are people who do have time to see this. This is where if you're thinking about picking up this guy on waivers this week, Maybe you should go and find the local, because you can Google anything. Google the local newspaper, find the beat writer, see what they're writing about these guys. They're following them in practices. They're seeing what's going on. They're going to give you better indications. So when you get the local guy who's actually got his eyes, he's on the sidelines, he's there watching all the games, he's, he, he or she can help to predict what is going to happen. And so even if you can't see it, do the research before you just look at the stats and just say, okay, I'm going to grab this guy based on what he did last week. Perfect example of that is a beat writer down uh, in Cleveland was saying today on Twitter how Duke Johnson looks better than Crowell, your boy. Uh, and I know we are, we're all high on both of them. He's like, he looks better, he looks faster, looks more dynamic so far this preseason. And basically he was just saying, it's going to be an interesting battle. Uh, for in, this offseason heading into the uh, to who's going to really gain all those stars. Here's the other thing. Maybe these guys cancel each other out, and it's another one of these kind of a, um, committee type of deals that you want nothing to do with. They're on a bad team, and they're sharing carries, kind of like what was happening last year. Uh, uh, they're, they're, you also have so. to pay attention to uh, hype at this point as well. I, I, I'm, I'm all for doing what you guys are talking about there, but at this point they're doing it without pads. 
And the, yeah. the, the difference that that makes yeah. with certain guys is unbelievable. Guys like uh, Jerron Kreiner, you know, the, those, those Ra- Raiders receivers who are just, you know, hands down, look like the best receivers to come along in ages. You know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, run like the wind, you know, but that's without pads. As soon as they get the pads on, they disappear. It makes a big difference throwing those pads on. So take things with a great assault at this point. But definitely start to do that and, and look and pay attention to those beat writers because they do have their eye on things and they do know what they're talking about. They wouldn't have the job that they do if they didn't know what they were talking about and know what they were looking at and be able to effectively write about it. And that's what I'm saying. When you're in that middle of your season, you're looking in, at week five, week t- in between week six for your waiver wire pickup, and you're debating between two guys. Take the extra 10 minutes and do that research. Look up the local newspaper. Look up what they're writing about that team, those players, and you're going to get a much better bird's eye view of, okay, you know what? This situation is not as good as it looked like on paper. Now I see what they're saying locally. I'm going to I'm gonna avoid him. I want to go for this guy instead. Yeah, and uh, you know what? This, it just, I don't know, just looking at my computer here and seeing certain things highlighted and stuff, I, I want to reiterate, when you are doing your tiers and whatnot, because of all this research you're doing, um, uh, some things get lost in the fold and it's shuffled around. You don't remember certain things. One of the best ways to do it is if make out a tier sheet, no matter what, right now. You know, if you haven't already, highlight guys. It makes a huge difference. You read something about, um, for me, I mean, I, I read and watched some stuff on a guy named Kenny Bell, who's going to be the third receiver there, possibly over in Tampa Bay. Now, it's, maybe it's not the greatest offense to be in or whatever or, or whatnot. But watching this guy play and watching what he could do, I've highlighted him already because if Vincent Jackson goes down or they decide that uh, they, they want to keep the ball a little short, shorter for Winston so he doesn't turn the ball over so much, he's a slot-type t- receiver, um, he's somebody to watch for. Just something to, to, you know, to keep in the back of your mind. And if you've read about it and you've watched it, don't forget. Do the highlighting. It'll, it'll, keep, it'll keep it there in the back of your mind just uh, you know, in, in case things get lost in the fold. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Let's go into another uh, component in in-season management. And, um, you know, that's one of those is, 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 is staying on top of injuries. Uh, so there's different types of players in any sport. There's the guys that tough it out and brood it out. There's the guys that get injured and are quick to, quick to sit it out for a little bit. And uh, both those players kind of uh, help or affect your fantasy teams in different ways. But in general, you should be looking, and again, maybe this falls into the foreshadowing, and I think Dog mentioned a little bit when we were talking about that 10 minutes ago, is the fact that look at depth charts of teams. Look at in-season, when you're looking at injuries and you're looking at depth charts and you're saying, wow, this guy's actually moved up and he, in preseason he was the running back four, or now he's running back two. He's not on anybody's team. This guy's coming up uh, and, and could get injured. Um, just being smart and being on top of injuries, uh, there's a number of things that I think we should spit fire out here that, that can kind of uh, help you or hinder you in season for your team. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> I looked at both because I was trying to hand the baton. You both were like, <laughs> "You take it." No, you take if it. we had video right now, it'd be like a baton hold in the Olympics, and the guy drops it and turns around, and we lose the race. It just starts running the yeah, other way. I'm not, I'm not running this race, thanks. Though. Well, okay, one, go, of the, Mary one of the things for me that I'm always paying attention to, especially for, for players before the season starts. Who is getting dinged up with hamstring injuries? 
I hate hamstring injuries, especially for wide receivers. Those are nagging injuries. They always try to come back a little bit too soon. And, and then what happens, right? You know, you, you, you put him into your lineup, and then he goes for five plays, and then he, he re-aggravates the injury. Again. Or he plays through and heals while he's on your fan starting lineup. He's playing through the, the he's and playing he's not through giving you the explosiveness that he should really right. just be sitting out. And there, there's nothing worse. And we talk about Bolden as kind of the the case that used to do that all the time. Where I was like, he's hurt. He's got, got these lingering injuries, a leg injury or a shoulder issue injury. But I'm playing. I, I, I'm a tough guy. That, I'm not sitting out. I'm a football player. And you love that. But as a fantasy owner. It can really bite you in the ass. The, yeah, and the other one for running backs is those damn ankle sprains, especially a high ankle sprain, and they're always trying to come back because, again, there's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL, so these guys have to get their ass on the field. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to get passed over by somebody else. Yeah. So Turf toe, anything, any sort of toe below the ankle type of thing, or just nagging all-season injuries. And, yeah. for, and for me, especially if it's one of your top guys, let's say you know we're talking about the great uh, strength of schedule that LaShawn McCoy has at the beginning of the year. Well, if he gets like a tweaks an ankle or something, that's something where I'm, I'm really worried. Maybe I want to trade him now before that gets completely exposed. And I want to get value for him because once it's exposed, you're never going to get any value for that guy. Yeah. You're you're going to end up having to sit on him, and you're going to be dealing with the the question marks every week as to what his situation is. The one thing I'll say about you, Houdini, what I've noticed is you only trade the ba- the black players. <laughs> <laughs> Chip, Chip Kelly over here. How come you never traded any white guys? I don't draft white guys. <laughs> 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 Touche. That's, that's Touché. why I drafted in my rookie draft. I drafted Jameis Winston. I don't want no Marcus Mariota. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Who uh, trades for white guys anyway? Are Hawaiians white guys though? He's Hawaiian. Uh, he's a I don't really know. I mean, I'm not saying that any any sort of way. I mean, is a Hawaiian guy a white guy? Dogs, dogs always draft from the white guys. You uh, got Jordy Nelson. You're a Julian Edelman guy. Yeah, I'm know? not anymore. Unless PPR. I like him as a player. I wish I had his life this offseason, uh, but he's he, he does not do much for you on the team. But I do draft white. I like white wide receivers. Cole Beasley, fact. Oh. is going to be on every team I had this year. <laughs> I got I got, I got I I hope hundred targets, and I'll be happy. In your rookie league, I also know who you're drafting. From Georgia, Chris Conley. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I just hate where he went, but he's a stud. I'm out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, getting back to uh, the matter at hand. We, we, we digressed on some injuries. Uh, injuries. We're on injuries here. Um, it, it can back. It can backfire on you as well, though. It, so I, I mean, if it does, it believe me, it's more fluky than anything else. But I'll throw it out there. Odell Beckham. You know, I mean, you thought D Rex that he was going to be a flop for sure, and uh, of course, you got those injuries playing into the season. He didn't get uh, much time with. Uh, not just the starters, but any players out there in training camp. And when you're a rookie, you you need those reps. Yeah. He did it. It backfired. And, it, and, and that happens. But that's a rarity. That's an extreme rarity. So paying attention to injuries really does. And he's banged up right now. And he's banged yeah. up again right now. So that but, would worry me. That that starts to be like, okay, we were, everyone's high on him, but he's got this nagging injury. It's a different leg, as you guys pointed out to me not too long ago. So I, I'm worried for I'm worried for that guy. I'm not. He's just too talented, but... I don't know. If he keeps on being banged up, he's not going to be on my team. With the way that the Giants... He's going to be going every year. With the way that the Giants' offense is is set up right now, um, with the high volume and uh, the speed of it, uh, i got to tell you, a guy not to be overlooked at this point is Ruben Randall. 
we talked about him a little bit earlier. He may not be the most talented of the receivers out there, but he's from what I hear, he's working hard, and you got the Odell Beckham injury to worry about. Victor Cruz may not be completely back, and he's not as of right now. So, I mean, those are things you really got to look at. How do, how do the injuries affect other players on the team as well? Look at Le'Veon Bell, too, right? Yeah. Here's a guy that got the, that horrible leg injury uh, at the end of last season. Uh, wasn't able to, uh, and wasn't able to, to, to go in, in that playoff game. And then here he comes, and he was supposed to be fully healthy already, and he's still dealing with some problems on that knee right now. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you throw in the the few game suspension. You throw in the fact that they actually have a very tough rushing schedule to start the year. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a guy that it's hard to stay away from him because his stats are just off the I'll charts. I'll tell you what, though. I like the suspension for that fact. <laughs> Absolutely. Give him the time off to, to, to get more rest on it is, is only going to help. Yeah, he has one of those three-game stretches in games two through four that the Steelers do themselves where, you know, if if he's in there, he probably wouldn't have very good weeks as is. Uh, but the fact that he's going to be suspended and that, and you know, D'Angelo Williams will probably take some of the brunt of that. Everybody will see just how bad D'Angelo has gotten. <laughs> It'll really <laughs> show up in those first few games. So if you can, jump on Bell after that. If people are like, ah, crap, this rushing offense doesn't even look very good anymore anyway, jump on him. You know, he's got a good, nice three-game stretch coming up right in the middle, too. Any, uh... Anything and more to say on injuries? No, but I wanted to say something more about the white athlete. Would you like something to read? Do you have anything light? Oh. How about this leaflet? Famous Jewish sports legends. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, all right, so here's another uh, segment we'll go into. Have an active knowledge of guys that aren't starters yet. You know, it's the old opportunity knocks adage. Um, Dog, this is kind of your this is kind of your, your your thing, you know. Coaching, know that know your coaching and Belichick. To tell me about what uh what, what are some of your thoughts about knowing guys that aren't starters yet? And it, it, it's a little bit of foreshadowing, but it's also just in season management of your team being able to tr- spot a gem and and seize it for your advantage. Well, I mean, I threw it out there earlier with the Martavis Bryant thing. Um, you could see that all the talent in the world is there. You know, he's he's a big guy, six you know six four, uh, runs like the wind. But just getting introduced to the system, <laughs> I what I love the runs like the wind. Runs, <laughs> run, run like the wind. <laughs> um, I was thinking Bob Seger against the wind, running against the wind. All right. Well, it, it, so to go back to what I was saying, there are certain guys that you know just aren't going to be ready yet. And most of them are rookies or, or, or younger players that are just starting to get into the swing of things or just learning a new system or whatnot. You know that they're not going to be all there in the beginning of the season. Guys like Martavis Bryant last season. Uh, a, a guy like this year, like a Jalen Strong, just drafted to uh, the Texans. Uh, Cecil Schwartz is going to have that starting job uh, to start off the year. Nate Washington may be the third receiver, but Jalen Strong has an uber amount of talent. I mean, that guy will be the second receiver to DeAndre Hopkins at some point and could even to start take a little uh, play off of Hopkins, to be honest. He's that talented, but he's not going to be there in the beginning of the season. So that's that's the type of guy you want to be watching for, you know, or Moncrief, uh, you know, for the Colts or Philip Dorsett, who they are loving there. They didn't draft him that early for no reason. 
Uh, these are the type Last of guys. Last year, Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson, that you know, I had my eye on uh, early in the season, um, and, it, and it panned out for him. These are the type of guys you want to watch for. I'll also say this. Let's throw a, a shout out for Stags on this one. Um, you know, you you come up with uh, first for Stags. Have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison? Um, is he came up and he, he he already came up with the compiling all the depth charts for all the teams. So this is important to start looking at those depth charts in the draft kit, and you can figure out highlight some of these guys that are behind teams. And where I would also say focus too, especially when you have these some of the younger guys, first year, second year guys that are haven't really shown their chances yet and maybe this is where you look at teams that are not going to be competing for a playoff spot in the second half of the season and then also coordinate that with the second half uh, strength of schedule because what's going to happen is they want to start getting a look at those younger players. That's where Jalen Strong may come in because Houston's not going to be a playoff contender and that's where you stop saying we're done with Cecil Shorts. We want to see what we got in Jalen Strong. We want to find out what we have in these younger guys and they're going to get their bigger opportunities later in the year that can pay dividends for you. I'll actually, I'll refute something real quick with that. I mean, I I do think that Houston is actually going to have a much improved team this year. Uh, They got guys coming back from injury on that defensive side. They picked up Vince Wilfork to shore up that rush D, which was a big problem for them last year. Uh, Brian Cushing's coming back from that injury. Uh, Clowney's going to be coming back. Tell, tell me, is Clowney going to be good? Because I drafted him last year in my 16-team IDP league, and it's like, and then they get they got moved to a stupid linebacker position, which well, killed I, I don't me. think anybody's going to mistake him for being the next coming anymore. Yeah, right. You know, but he's still going to be a good player. I mean, they still have Whitney Marcellus there. I mean, it's this is going to be a really good defense, and if that offense can click at all, uh, it's still going to be based on on running a bunch, but they do have the wide receivers there. Brian Hoyer! Brian Hoyer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Hoyer I, or Ryan Mallard as your t- uh, QB is going to be a tough one to get through, but you can hide QBs, you know, teams with really good defenses and strong running game, so a la the Baltimore Ravens of the past. You can hide those so-so. San Francisco 49ers. 49ers. You can hide the so-so quarterbacks behind uh, other strengths of your team. So I, I only actually watch out for the Texans, Texans a little bit this year. Anyway. Um, so another thing that you had mentioned uh, when we were talking about this in the pre-show uh, is... No, knowing guys that aren't injured, uh, or no, knowing guys that aren't starters yet, but also knowing the coaching staff. A guy like Belichick, if you fumble, I mean, think about that running back situation of guys that have been maybe the next coming at running back for them over the course of the last 10 years, 5 years, 3 years, 2 years. I mean, it is just a carousel of players. So, know in season that if some guy, if Garrett Blount, who started supposedly going to start the season as the uh, starter after his one-game suspension. If he's not doing it, or he is fumbling, or he's just not, it doesn't look like it's going to be his time, you know Belichick's going to try and throw something new out there. He, they let Vereen go, so uh, who's going to be the next Vereen? You yeah, kind of think it's going to be James I like White. James White. I, I mean, they... And I don't want to say this guy's nice coming either, but Travaris Cadet is still uh, there fighting for a job. Brandon Bolden, you know, I mean, the guy has some talent, but Jonas Gray is probably the one who would take on that starting job and take up the bulk of the carries. This is it's, Blount has been a fumbler throughout his career. He's never fumbled while he's been on the Patriots, strangely, but uh, he's he's been known as a fumbler. Is that a deflate gate comment? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. But I mean, it, you got to be looking into things like that, too. Guys, you you know, Belichick has quick a quick hook on guys. If you're not performing, he'll take you out and he'll replace you. Aaron Dobson's a guy to, to look at. You know, he's he was drafting the second round a few years ago now. 
or a couple, is it two or three this, years? This, this, this will be his third year. This will be his third year. Um, and that's a question we'll get to a little bit later, too, about the third-year wide receiver thing. But Aaron Dobson's a guy to watch for. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, Edelman will be replaced because he's got a very interesting, you know, position there. But if LaFell ain't cutting it or if Dobson is starting to really tear it up and uh, provide that deep threat because they don't really have that, he's a guy to be looking at that, uh, you know, Belichick will throw in at the drop of a hat. And then conversely, look at the coaches like Rex Ryan who are stubborn-headed and will never make those changes. So this is where even if LaShawn McCoy becomes a guy that's struggling and you're trying to pick the guy who's behind him and and you think is going to step up, no, he'll still just give Fred Jackson a few carries here and there and he's not going to explore. He just... Some of these guys just—they're set in their ways. They're set with their guys, and he's a guy, especially Rex, is a guy who just falls in love with his players, um, and and then he does everything he can to, to make that player be good, and doesn't necessarily allow the growth of other players or uh, create the environment where there is everybody's basically feeling like they're on the hot seat to play musical chairs and they're going to be falling on their ass with no chair to sit on. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the coach, the coaches Bring it back to elementary nice. school. Well, yeah. duck, duck, we're going to go duck, duck, goose analogy. Cakewalk. We'll do that like the cakewalk. And the <laughs> <laughs> coaches have tendencies and they show it throughout their careers. Just keep notice of those and identify the coaches that um, will have a quick trigger or who won't play rookies because, you know, they... they they have an affiliation for you know veterans or whatnot. There are coaches like that out there. Understand who they are. We'll probably put together an article or something like that to sh- to give you a clue you in on that. But that's definitely trends that you want to pay attention to. Yeah, well, guys that are. Uh, I was going to say, especially for Belichick, if you're on that team, you got to be careful. Where did you get that dress? It's awful, and those shoes and that. Oh, jeez. That's got to become a staple, a regular of the show. Absolutely. I love that guy. Uh, but also another thing, look at got um, you know this preseason and let it affect you into the end season. Look at coaches that are on the hot seat. If things don't uh, pan out well for some of these coaches, who would be a guy within the team that they would bring up? What kind of system would he bring? If it's a defensive coordinator, uh, is that going to hurt the outlook of some player that you might have drafted? Should you maybe, uh, you know, if a guy's on a hot seat or a new coach comes in, should you trade that guy, trade a guy from that situation? Uh, or is there going to be another player that he might, uh, you know, if it's a wide receivers coach or something uh, that he's got a better relationship with that you know some new player is going to get a ton of new opportunities because of a coaching change? So all these little intricacies and changes and little uh, minutiae details they all add up to something so in season if you're paying attention and you're on top of all this overarching stuff and all the details you're a big picture and you're a minutia person who why are you not going to be more successful than anybody else because there's a lot of big picture people that just aren't thinking about these little things and, and, and for foreshadowing in in season management being one step ahead of the other guys in your league you're mentioning uh, new coaches, too. So one, one new coach for me that I'm kind of interested in, which is why I'm staying away from Brandon Marshall, is Todd Bowles. Here's a guy that comes in. He's a defensive-minded guy. We know Brandon Marshall from being here in Chicago is a real lightning rod in, in, the, in the locker room and can really cause a lot of issues. And, you know, you never know how a coach is going to deal with that. And the Jets... If they start struggling, it could it, it could easily you know tumble down it's all that acceptable. way. And it's all he's acceptable. he's a defensive minded guy, but he's also you know it's you need to make sure that he has control of his locker room. So how is he going to deal with that situation? That's one of those ones that I think is just 
It scares me from the outset. I don't know because we've never seen him deal with offensive players before. And now he's going to be put in that position. But he seems like a no-nonsense type of guy. And seems like a guy that's very much counterintuitive to who Brandon Marshall is as a, as a person and a player. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how, uh, how Marshall deals with it yeah. as well. I mean, he's, like you said, he's always been a bit of a lightning rod. But this is a whole new situation. I mean, this is... It's not a passing team at all. A new coach, going to be defensive-minded. It's going to be interesting to see how he deals with it. Cool. Um, so, yeah, and then the last thing we say about coaches, hot hand coaches. Coaches that like to ride the hot hand, that you know, probably maybe a little bit like what you're talking with Rex Ryan, uh, stubborn-handed, but, it, you know, somebody that will give an opportunity but ride the hot hand. Uh, hap- happened for three running, two running backs last year for the Broncos. Happened a little bit with the, with the running back situation in Baltimore. Uh, with Asiata and, and uh, Minnesota, you mean? Minnesota with Asiata and, and the other McKinnon. and McKinnon, and then the other fellow was the Ravens with uh, um, Forsett and uh, who's the second? Uh, Laf- Lorenzo Taliaferro. Yeah. Taliaferro. So I even tried Pierce out in the beginning of the season too. Yeah, he yeah. stunk. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to do, a quick segue before we go on, we got a lot of content. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Always the wrong week. Always the wrong week to quit that. Um, going to talk right now about uh, some content that's going up on our site uh, this week. Uh, we've been writing our draft manifestos, stag parties, draft manifesto, and they're gonna uh, they're gonna be in a couple of them are gonna be in the next version of uh, the. Uh, version 3 of the draft kit, which I'll promote that a little bit later. But we're doing our draft manifesto. Stags Parties is going up on the site today. Did the graphic yesterday. Um, and Stags has got a good manifesto that uh, I'll put up today. I'm going to probably have mine done this week at some point. I'll get that up. I'm putting my tiers version 3 up on the site either today or maybe tomorrow. Uh, so that's a good time. Houdini, you're working on your career year piece. Uh, as we, well as the draft manifesto. As well yeah. as your draft manifesto. So we're going to put some of those up as free content. Um, I don't know uh, all of them, but we're going to do some tiers sprinkled in. But we are trying to drive people to buy that draft kit. We had a, a few days this week, earlier uh, in the week, that the draft kit was flying off the shelves. So if you bought one, you know, thanks a lot. Really appreciate that. It's, 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 it's totally awesome. I haven't heard one bad thing, one bad response to someone that has uh, put down the $20 to pick it up. So uh, thanks for all the kind words on the people that are sending emails and direct messages on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet. So a lot of content going up on the site this week. Uh, it's going to be awesome, man. Just going to be awesome. And there's been a lot of content going up on the site from the previous week, too. So... Man, the season is, is back upon us. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Lloyd Bridges, by the way. Yes. Uh, it, it, one of my Lloyd Bridges is great in this movie. I think he's probably better in Airplane 2, but my favorite Lloyd Bridges is Hot Shots. Oh, oh yeah! Oh my God! That Lloyd is is phenomenal in that. So good. I love the scene where he's uh, he's looking at the painting. Roy, Roy, that guy doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> we should though, in a future uh, Val Verde free Sunday podcast, we should bring a bunch of glue. 
So we won't drink. Absolutely. We won't drink, but let's sniff a ton of glue. Well, on the markers. Shot. Remember the old markers? Oh, yeah. 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 You bring the markers. I'll bring the glue. What are we sniffing that you're bringing? Uh, I, I used to eat the markers. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. Uh, Why wasn't that on our crazy bet day? Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. None of those really pay out. Oh, the only one that panned out was the double IPA with giggle tooth over yeah. there. Monster, <laughs> monster mo- madness. Um, all right, cool. That's that. We'll move past that. Knowledge of starters. I think that's really, really important. Depth charts, knowing in season, uh, staying ahead of the game and, and staying on that stuff. So another thing I've uh, just personally done with a few, of the, probably the same players over over years and years is in season. Be smart. There's a there's a tight balance in holding guys too long and dropping them too early. So there's no there's no obvious answer or formula to this. You just have to use your best judgment with a lot of this research. Um, you know, I've kept, I've drafted Christine Michael uh, for the last t- two years and had him on my bench the whole year in probably a couple leagues. Uh, just not hoping that Marshawn Lynch will go down. I never hope for anyone to get hurt, but to give myself that edge, if he was to go down with the way they run the ball and the way that they uh, control the ball on offense and just if, if Lynch and Beast Mode's gone, who's going to get it? I think it's going to be a, uh, a Michael more than a, uh, I don't think uh, Turbin's an uh, everyday back. But at the same time, you have some regrets the last two years looking at, at, at this guy on the bench that literally plays zero games, probably had under 15 carries. So, I, in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't hold on to a guy that long and find better opportunities to fill the bench. To fill my team that could actually blow up and explode, but at the same time, if during one of those seasons I drop Michael in week five, and then the next week uh, Lynch goes down, you're really pissed at yourself. So finding that balance and just being smart—you're not going to get it right every time. Uh, but just don't be the guy that's got holding on to the same team throughout the season. Well, and that's also part and parcel for uh, some mistakes that I've made being the the guy who's in so many keeper leagues in my annual league. I've been drafting too many rookies. Yeah. And knowing what I was saying earlier on this podcast, how a lot of these rookies, they don't pan out until later in the season. So in all my mock drafts this year, I've been really focusing on not taking the rookies or maybe only having one. As I had said in our earlier podcast, even before that, maximum two rookies on my team to start the year. But like we're talking about the foreshadowing. Yeah. It earlier doesn't mean that I'm forgetting yeah. about these guys. Yeah. It just means that, you know what, maybe I got a guy who's going to at least give me some production up until that time. And I'm just watching and waiting and following the news, knowing when that guy's going to get his opportunity and then dropping that guy uh, who I have as a placeholder and is not then, you know, where it comes down to where you're saying, you're waiting for the guy to break out, so you're holding that place for him who's doing nothing and just waiting for it. Well, I'm going to have someone who's productive in that spot because guaranteed if somebody else drafted one of these rookies who I'm looking at and they're doing nothing for him in the first four weeks, they're going to be dropped. And so then I'm ready to pounce at that point in time. Yeah, or I mean, even if they're not dropped by that team, they'll have lost value in that owner's mind and you could probably trade for them very right. easily. So either way, it's uh, it works out for you. And that's a good thing that I think you touched upon. It. We'll just quickly go back to the trade strategy part of in season. Is know a guy in your league that you that you can get deals done with, and know a guy that might be quick to hook 
players, know a guy that might be down on players, talk, have those conversations, and find out through a dialogue that, oh, man, I thought this guy was going to be better, and you like that guy? Ding, ding, ding. Okay, I'm going to come in and take him off this guy's hands. I still think there's upside for him. So, sorry to go back no, to the No, I want to jump in on that as well because I think uh, we left out a couple points there. Yeah, okay, one of the things that I think is important when you're talking about uh, trade strategy, number one, do people in your league trade? Yeah. Okay, so if people in your league do trade, or if they don't trade, get into a different league. Um, yeah. And if they do trade, this is where I think it's, you know, a lot of times people who have uh, are playing in a standard league where you're starting with no flex, you're starting a three wide receiver type of a league, they'll end up drafting two quarterbacks, four running backs, six wide receivers, two tight ends, uh, and they're just one backing up all of their positions. Well, that doesn't leave you as much flexibility for trading. If you know that people in your league are traders, maybe this is where you, you sit there and go, okay, I'm going to overload on running backs. I'm going to force the hand, like a dog had said when we were talking about in the 16-team league, when you're drafting the, the two quarterbacks early. You're forcing the hand of another owner. What you're also doing is you're creating a trade partner. And when you're looking for trades, it's always trying to find the team that fits with you. It's a lot harder to find a fit with you if you have just perfectly balanced all your lineup all the way down. It, it makes more sense to, if, especially knowing where you have your studs, where you have like your guy who you know is going to be pretty much going to be out there for 16 games on the year. Okay, well then you don't necessarily need to back that one up as hard, hard and heavy as you do on some of your other positions. But if you back up those other positions heavy, maybe you're, you've got a lot of depth at wide receiver and you've drafted Early on, maybe you spent four of your first six rounds on wide receivers. You got two running backs and four wide receivers because you got studs early and you loaded up on those wide receivers. Now, and you continue to draft a few more, you finish out with like seven wide receivers on your team. You've created people that are going to be looking to you and saying, okay, I need a wide receiver. Who, who's, who needs it? That guy... Doesn't you don't, has it. and you don't and you don't need to get a wide receiver in return. Yeah, and they don't have one to give you anyway. So you're looking to pick fill out those other positions. It makes more sense to sit and look value that way. You're going to create more opportunities for yourself, and then you are able to pick and choose who you're going to want to trade with. Yeah. Well, don't you think also just knowing who people in your league? There's a number of people. I mean, I've never traded with Rob Listener. Never will trade with Rob Listener. You you put the you, the feelers out and you, you try and see what a guy. Uh, it will get you and you know there's just certain people that are trying to give you the high hard one every single time on any trade and it's just like are you, are you do you think I'm an idiot like, why would I possibly make any of these trades so you, you know doesn't mean that there can't be a new uh, he can't change turn a leaf or whatever but in the trading world don't let someone that you know intimately or very well try and pull a fast one on you you know very true very true and you know what, usually you know a bunch of guys in your league. Maybe you don't know a few of the guys. They're, they're newcomers. Maybe they're friends of friends or whatnot. But you also know, like, which are the more conservative guys and which are the guys who are willing to take a chance. Not just, like, it, yeah. it, usually in their real life, it spreads into their fantasy life. If they're a conservative type person, they may not be the type of guy to trade with. They'll probably, uh, you know, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know listeners as well as you do, but... And I'm sure he's taken a ton of chances in his life. But the trades that he's offered me and the trades I know he's, he's offered you, he's not willing to take that chance. Yeah. He's not willing to take a chance on a guy or, or, or give up too much for t not enough in return because he's not willing to take that chance on a guy. There's other guys who are willing to do whatever it takes to get something done because they're willing to make that big leap of faith on a certain guy. Identify who those guys are, and you could probably take them for a ride here and there. And also know that the guys like I have uh, one of my best friends uh, in, in my league forever, Josh, it's impossible to make trades with him because 
you, you basically have a trade all mapped out, and then they say, well, let me just wait one more week and see what happens. It's like, yeah. it's it's four weeks trying to make a trade with that guy, and it's just <laughs> absolutely horrible. <laughs> Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make pack, or a brooch, or pterodactyl. <laughs> I can't make a trade, though. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I think when it, when it comes to... Uh, um, you know, something like that. It's funny when you think about these little foreshadowing, and that's what our boy Rain Man Waxman in one of our leagues that we talk about on the show all the time. He was one of the guys that started Pyro with us. We love you, buddy. Um, he is the kind of guy that is fully, when the trades are made, you're, every team's like, oh my God, Waxman, why is this Brewster's million? And you're trying to give away your fantasy team so other people can use it? Every time, which is not every time. Many times, you look at the end of that trade, at the end of the season, and the one that people were vetoing, or people in your league thought it was, oh, you got run over, you got worked, you got raped, whatever. These trades, in a lot of cases, especially with the smart owners that are looking into the future, looking at future strength of schedules, looking at uh, guys that are better first half or second half players, those trades usually turn out kind of the opposite way that the, the overarching way the league feels about it. So true. So uh, true. It's so true. I mean, I've, I mean, with Waxman as a prime example, it's some of the some of the trades that he's made are real head scratchers, but they end up working out for him. I mean, he, he goes to the playoffs pretty much, you know, all the time. The guys that he when and he look, starts out slow, and then he trades his team. He's got a totally different team on. But and the the I think it was the. Second to last time I won, I traded him the one that won that league. Or this is the last time I won, I think. I traded him uh, Megatron for. Well, I traded. How did that go? I traded Megatron for for uh, uh, Rogers. Something no, like I traded. I traded for for Megatron, and then I flipped it and traded to somebody else for Rogers. Yes, but he was willing to take a chance and go for and give me an elite player. Uh, for a couple of more, you know, up-and-comer type of guys because he needed the depth, and he wasn't scared to do that. And I was able to flip a Megatron for a, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and that was the year that they won the Super Bowl. So yeah. uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good move for me. But find those guys. And also, in this trading strategy, it's okay to, have, to do a two-team trade. Get a guy that you know you're about to ship over. Set up deals. And he's a genius as that. Well, he's got these three, it's like chess. He's three steps ahead of it because he knows the player that he's about to trade with Team A is just going to move two new parts to move to B to get this whole new kind of cycle of players. So don't be afraid. Think about the NBA. That's really the sport that happens in the most. The NBA, there's like four teams in a, in a, in a trade sometimes just because salaries and moving parts and peop, some people don't want all the components they're getting, but others do. So in trading and strategies in season, Pull in another team and move move something around uh, to get something done that helps your team. And I think what you're basically saying is don't be afraid to trade. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of times, too, you get, uh, we always talk about what happens when your team starts off poorly, right? Because it's head-to-head. You're playing head-to-head. A lot of times you're going to just run into a buzzsaw three weeks in a row. And you may start out the season 0-3, and then some people will just pack it in. Don't pack it in. Look, you know, people are going to think that you're desperate and so... If you use the foreshadowing, you use the strength of schedule, you use all these other things to your advantage, you can still find a trade partner out there who thinks that they're getting the better of you. Everyone will look at the trade on the outside and go, how can you make this trade? And then it ends up panning out for you in the end. Yeah. And, and how many times do we see teams that 
maybe were having a horrible first half of the season, but they didn't give up, and they were the ones that grabbed an Odell Beckham because they were foreshadowing ahead, or they or they found the, the Martavis Bryant. They, they stuck, found these they other guys. To it they first stick to this, and all of a sudden, they may be just squeaking to the playoffs, but it's head-to-head once you get to the playoffs, and that all that over, over a whole season doesn't even matter at that point in time. It's about getting to the dance. Well, the one thing we say, uh, you know, there's the, the five Ps, uh, that go in, in the draft leading up, you know, prior uh, prior preparation prevents poor performance. No. Proper preparation, preparation prevents piss poor performance. Piss it's poor. six P's. Okay, six P's. <laughs> That's kind of prior preparation for your off-season leading into your drafts. But whatever the version is for in-season, it's stick with it. Be perseverant. These aren't all P's, but we're going to come up with the in-season PPPs. But there's got to be that sort of model where you will be rewarded and your team will do better if you're sticking to it and staying with it throughout each week. Because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of leagues where people just kind of fall off. They get busy. There's a weekend where they have a wedding and something, and they they mess something up. So in general, uh, you can do it. I'm going to read a review. On our iTunes that came this week. Thank you very much. Uh, this one is from Tedward Ballgame. Tedward Ballgame. It's titled Fantasy Nut. He gave us a, a five-star review. We appreciate that. And basically, here's what the write-up was. Uh, or the review. Great stuff, and that's not just the IPAs talking. Good man. He's an IPA drinker. Been reading the kit. I still got wood. Um, well, good. You know, different things affect different people in different ways. <laughs> I, I have had a boner looking at the draft kit a couple times. I know that's weird, but this is what I do. Um, relax. I'm a professional. Um, <laughs> didn't realize how boring other podcasts were till I threw this gem on. I like the way he's using some of our vernacular. We, I, I've noticed a lot of people like to say the word gem. Canology. Canology. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. So sure. keep it up. Keep it up. Um, I was dying last week when you guys gave your pre-draft advice, a.k.a. release the tension, um, had, to, <laughs> had to play it for my girl who pretended not to think it was funny as hell. Props, men. Keep living the dream. Bottoms up. I love it. I love this, the stories when, um, when people are playing the podcast for their girlfriends uh, and she did think it was funny. You're right. Uh, and uh, the other guy is uh, uh, Dan Lumpy Space Hero on Twitter. He listens. He drives around with his grandma a lot, and he listens to the Pyro podcast with his grandma. He sent me like pictures and on Twitter of them listening to the Pyro podcast. His old, <laughs> his, his, his old Asian grandma, who's super little cutie, is sitting there listening. And probably one, a few of these podcasts when we're really getting going and making fun of each other. Can you just imagine? Uh, listening to us having a grandma listen to these podcasts. Wow, you're a good lady. You're a good lady. Turn into a late life drinker. That's uh, just wow. I've got to concentrate. concentrate. I've got to concentrate. concentrate. Hello? 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 Echo. 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 Ding, for Pedro Borbon. Moza. Moza. 
You know what I want to see? I want to see sometime, you know, when you see, like, the oldest people alive and they're always asking, how'd you live so long? They're like, well, I never drank a glass of wine. And then the other one, how'd you live so long? I had a glass of wine every day. Yeah. And one lady is like 106, like, I've had a Dr. Pepper every day for the last 60 years. Like, all these weird stories. Uh, I hope we're long, we grow long enough to live this, but at some point I hope someone goes, how'd you grow to live so long? And they go, the Pyro Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I had to listen to every episode. <laughs> I didn't catch them until episode 180. <laughs> I, got, I got on late. I was a late bloomer, but it added years to my life. Oh, God. Probably the exact opposite. Anyway, let's move on to another little segment here. Um, and that is, is important. It's something that we preach here at Pyro. And that's the targets, touches, and looks. So it's in season. You know what you, you're based on all your uh, tiers on and you're drafting off of last year's stats and the, the hunkering and feelings you had going into the next season. But things change quickly from year to year. And keep an eye on the amount of touches and looks and the trends. If a guy was awesome last year, like an Adrian Peterson a few years ago because he got the ball you know, 24 to 28 times a game, and now, uh, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, Adrian Peterson's my number one uh, running back, but this year he comes back and they're trying to like kind of ease him back into it a little more, or they're using some uh, McKinnon and some of their other uh, backup running backs a bit more, or Teddy's throwing more because now they've got Malt Wallace and uh, you know all these different stuff. Hey, you got to notice these trends, and, and you know now with Adrian Peterson, you don't want to get you know quick feet or anything. But in general, looking at players, look at the trends, look at the touches, and what's going on. Because if the numbers are down and you're sitting there at week four, keep your eye on it. If it keeps going down and down, see if you can. While the name value and the namesake is worth more, uh, maybe try and move them or make some make some things happen or whatever. You know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, too, when you're talking about is a guy a hands catcher or this. Looking at maybe he had that four catches for 100 whatever yards and a touchdown, but he was targeted 12 times. Look at the guys who are efficient in their, in their targets to receptions. Because, again, eventually people fall out of grace, and, and there's reasons for it. Or, conversely, you see a guy who maybe only be getting a few targets per game earlier on, but he's a younger up-and-coming player, but he's making all the catches and he's doing a high volume with the limited amount of, of, of targets and, and looks. Well, all of a sudden, know that as this goes on, teams realize that too. They have guys that are looking at all these numbers and they say, you know what? He's a lot more effective than the guy that we have in there right now. Let's start shaving down some of the, the, the touches and the stuff that we're going to give this guy. Let's give him more. And, and you see it happen a lot of times, especially like in committee backfields, where one guy continues to run and he keeps gaining a, a, a pittance of 2.8 yards a carry, but they give this other guy five carries and he's averaging 5.5 yards a carry. We need to get him up to 10 to 12 touches and we're going to bring that guy down from seven, 16 down to, down to 10 or 8. Yeah, I'm prime examples of exactly what you're talking about. The, the, the Anton Smith for, for uh, Atlanta. I mean, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like it was a 30-yard run, 40-yard run for a touchdown. They started getting him more involved. I mean, he eventually ended up getting injured, um, and he'll be coming back this year with a leg injury under his belt, and speed was his... So don't jump on, don't jump on his bandwagon. But another uh, case in point is uh, Miami with Jarvis Landry. Landry uh, started out, you know, the season third fiddle. Uh, they had uh, Wallace and Hartline going out there. All of a sudden, after you know four or five weeks, uh, Landry was catching everything in sight. Heartline wasn't all he was advertised from the uh, you know a couple of d- 
decent seasons the two seasons before. All of a sudden, Landry basically took over in that role and started making tons and tons of catches. Hartline got forgotten, and eventually Hartline's gone. He's now in the Browns. He's in the wasteland over there. And Landry's going to be one of the top catchers of the league this year. For he's sure. very efficient. He's got great hands. Uh, he's, he's perfect for Tannehill in that short, uh, short game. So uh, you really do got to pay attention to the the targets, and not just the targets, but the catches within those targets. If they're catching a high percentage of balls, it means that quarterback has a lot of trust in him. The coaches have a lot of trust in him. He's probably going to get more. The guys who aren't catching a lot of balls, if they're getting 9, 10 targets a game and only catching 3 or 4, they might just fall out of favor, and they might be falling out of that starting lineup and start looking at the backups there. Well, Devonta Parker gets a screw reinserted into his foot. Mm-hmm. Obviously not a great time. They're saying it's not a big deal, but to go back to what you were talking about earlier in the show, dog, now the guy's not getting the reps. He's basically not. They're saying he's going to be ready for week one, but is that week one of um, a preseason? No, we're we're regular, regular. So regular season. Missing, so missing all the, the, whole, yeah. the whole, all the training camp. So that's uh, uh, in the preseason and all that stuff. So not a, not, not a good time at all for that situation. Now, you got rid of um, Wallace. You got rid of uh, Hartline. What, I, while I agree, and I, I like what Landry can do in a PPR league, and he's going to be a high-volume pass catcher, uh, he needs score. He's like Edelman. If you're not in PPR and you're, you're, you're going to get a lot of eight catches for 55-yard games and you just look and you're like, God, that's not scoring much many points for you, standard scoring. What's, what's, who's, who's got an opportunity to come in um, this year for, the, for Miami? It's the guy that they got from New Orleans. It's Kenny Stills. He's, yeah. He was the guy that, that was probably the most feared fearful of Devontae Parker getting uh, drafted by the Dolphins because he, he was brought in. He's thinking that he's going to be the deep threat guy. Well, that's, Devontae Parker can do that. Now he's going to get the opportunity to at least solidify his role a whole lot more. He needs to take advantage and show what he can do in, in the preseason and become that guy for Tannehill because Landry is not the guy that is to take the top off the defense. Yeah. They got rid of Wallace and they can never connect anyway. Yeah. So if Kenny Stills, who made a living with Drew Brees, uh, connecting on some long passes, if he can show that he can be that for Tannehill, that'll give him an ultimate leg up. It's not to say that he's going to continue to hold that all the way throughout the season because, again, this is where you got to keep your eye on Devontae Parker. He's going to be a late arriver to the team, so he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have to be kind of worked in over the first five, six weeks of the season, but look for Devontae Parker to make his strides in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, you know, I, Kenny Stills is a hell of a player. All right, I, I've watched him, and the guy is a lot more than a one-trick pony. He's not just a deep ball threat. He actually can catch balls on the sidelines and do crossing routes and stuff like that. He's gotten better as his career has gone on. But I'm not so sure he's the one that benefits from Parker uh, having that injury. Um, Jordan Cameron comes over. Yeah. Uh, big body. Uh, he's already got a real good rapport with, with, with Tannehill from what I'm reading and everything I'm seeing there. Um, he's he's going to be over-the-middle type guy. Tannehill struggles with the deep ball. So even though Stills does take the top off and they're going to have to pay attention to it, I don't know if they're going to hook up all that often going deep. Uh, but another guy that I wouldn't say keep an eye on, but they are going to fit him into this offense because there's so many young guys out there, is Greg Jennings. Jennings is a veteran who will teach uh Landry a little bit. He'll teach Stills a, a little bit of what's going on out there, and he'll be a steady guy for Tannehill to develop with a little bit as they go through those early season pains, and I don't think they have the greatest early season schedule. Um, I, I can't remember right now if that's uh, if that's true or not, but I don't think it's, it's that great of an early season schedule for him. You might see Jennings reaping some of the benefits of, you know, 
needing to hold down the fort until you know the second half of the season or and or until uh, you know Parker comes back. 19th, uh, first half of the season, uh, so 19th easiest or I don't know, reverse that. So it's, yeah, uh, it's in the lower third. Yeah, lower. it's in the lower third. And then the second half, they have the 14th. Uh, so that's in the upper half. So it's a, it gets a little easier for the quarterbacks. Uh, so when I was looking at wide receivers, sir. Oh, okay. Well, wide receivers, it's 17th second half. Uh, and what you say, 19th first half? Yep. It's basically, you know, I don't know. Six a dozen, half no, you know, half a dozen of the other, you know, sniffing glue, eating it, whatever. Uh, so I don't know. There you go. I, I, I think that Jennings is going to have a, at least a, a decent role in the beginning, just to bring the uh, young guys along, and then second half of the season you'll see them start take over a little bit more. I like that Devonte being a mid mid second half kind of guy. ODB yeah. part two. Um, he's a lot of play, a lot of people. Even our guy uh, uh, Michael G thought that Devontae was his favorite wide receiver in this class, ahead of White and in front, ahead of uh, Cooper, so interesting. Bad news. The fog is getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. <laughs> yes. Um, Alright, well I think that covers a lot of stuff. Here's what I want to do. I want to uh, quickly talk about our Blackhawks. Uh, we don't talk about the NHL really on this at all, so let's give a quick high, uh, a quick run through on on Blackhawks big game. I think that was probably one of the bigger game, sport games in Chicago in a long time last night. And uh, wow, Crawford came and played and was firing the shit up. So let's give a little love out to uh, for hockey fans. Uh, for our Blackhawks dog, you you guys are bigger Blackhawks fans than I are. I am. Um, do well, be, being the being the stat guy, I, I mean, I got to throw this one out. Um, I mean, it did just just come out like in Roto World or you know the news somewhere. Um, but my, our buddy Mike Spike Jones actually came up with these stats uh, a few weeks ago uh, before all this news. Uh, we're all big stats guys here, and uh, Mike Spike was a, another big one. But in games one through three in the playoffs, since Taze and Kane and those guys joined the team in this latest playoff run since like 2010, I think it was, uh, or maybe 2009 or 2008, games one through three, the Blackhawks are 30 and 30. Games four through seven, after that win last night, they are 42 and 14. Sick. It's just disgusting. As a series goes on, they get better, they figure things out. Uh, and they win when it counts. The the clutch factor with these guys is just enormous. It's unbelievable how these guys play. The later it gets in series, when they figure figure the other team out, they, they can never be figured out. They they have too, they're too deep. They just have they have too much going on in that team for another team to be able to pay attention to uh, Antoine Vermette, who who has three game winning goals in the playoffs this year. <laughs> you want know and on top of that, look at what Coach Q does, Coach Quenville. Um, who can be infuriating to to Hawks fans when you're watching those games one through three, uh, like my buddy who's who, uh, Bluestone who's got second row seats right on the the, the blue dot in the scoring zone twice uh, per game, gets sends me angry texts all the time. What is Q doing? He's like he's choosing his lines by shaking a snow globe. <laughs> well, he, he does all that early on because he keeps trying to find what is going to be that matchup, what's going to be the thing that works. And you look at what they did in the Anaheim series and in that game in that game uh, was it six that they won. Six. It, he just completely eliminated Anaheim with his uh, ridiculous smart line changes, the way that he was putting guys together. Look, a guy that's been a, 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 a just a, 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 what do you call it, a whipping post for, for all Hawks fans all season long has been Christopher Steed. Now, what did Versteeg do in the last couple of games? He's been playing great. 
you know, and creating things and making things happen. You know, he brings back Kimo Timonen, who's in another guy. He's like, oh my God, what is he doing on the ice? And, you know, even with the shortcomings because they're, they're short on defense, it's it's amazing coaching. Uh, it's it's he's he almost Bill Belichick in and because here's Brian Bickle who is like the guy that they signed to the big contract. You're sitting, buddy, because, because he's, he's, he's a just playoff stuck. stud last year, and yeah. this year he was a complete dud. He recognized it, brought brought for Steve back into the mix. It's unbelievable. The guy is not just the, I think the best coach in, in all of hockey, but he's also the best soundbite. That, that, that guy is yeah. fun to listen to. Even like the 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 three questions that Pierre asks him like in the middle of the the game. You want to listen to it. it. The guy is so knowledgeable. Uh, he's smart. He's funny. Um, he's he's kind of kind of funny to look at too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's he's, he's guy's just the he's, best. He's perfect for Chicago. Let's he be is. honest. He'll be around for a long time. Uh, God, it's just awesome. And if we can just pull this out tomorrow night, come on! I want to go to Wrigley tomorrow night and party like I did a couple years ago. Oh, oh, that's a big game. Fox, we need the third one. And we haven't won in Chicago before. Both the previous no, no, no. ones. In uh, Philly and in Boston. 1951, I think. Or 38 was the last time that they, they won, won at it home. in Chicago. I don't know where you guys are going, but we're going to uh, Sedgwick's, I guess. Just to kind of recreate. That's where we were when they did those two goals in 19 seconds. Uh, yeah. It's Boston, so we're trying to recreate the magic. So I'm going to be at Sheffield's tomorrow, hopefully, uh, then cruising down to uh, Wrigleyville. But cool, cool. should should be uh, should be freaking awesome. It's been uh, pretty, been pretty sweet. What's that other stat that you uh, had said about Chicago uh, sports and championship? Oh, uh, Don't jinx them and include this year. I but. won't include this year. Um, but since 1985 in Chicago, uh, Chicago sports teams and the top, you know, the the big four sports: football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Have been in 12 championships, and they've won 10 of them. The only two that we lost Bears. were the, the the Bears, Bears against the Colts, Colts. Uh, not too long ago, and uh, the, the Blackhawks Black against yeah. Pittsburgh back in '91, the '91-'92 season. Um, but we've won. The, the, the Bulls are six and zero in theirs. White Sox are one and zero in theirs. The the Hawks are now two and two and one. And this is not including this one. I don't want to right. include this one in it. Correct, but until and yeah, it's tough not to mention it. But um, what, what was the other one? Uh, and then the Bears are one and one. So that's pretty sick. It is well, pretty sick. Weird, had it good. While we're doing weird stats, I want to throw something out there, and maybe you guys have heard this one. But did you? Okay, so Tom Cruise. We're gonna move this over to entertainment quickly. Tom Cruise. He's fifty-two years old. Now, is he older or younger? Then, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Will, who's the guy from Cocoon? Will for, uh, uh, from Cocoon? Uh, yeah, Cocoon. You know, Will, uh, he's in all those movies. Uh, Will, oh, I'm going to space this. I might have to edit this out. <laughs> go, go quickly to Cocoon. Will for Brimley. Brimley. Will for Brimley. Is he older or younger than Will who, who, who is older? Tom Cruise right now or Wilford Brimley in oh, Cocoon oh, in number Cocoon. one? Oh, it's got to be Cruise. Interesting. Wilford Brimley looked old from the time he was 22. Dude, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he was 51 when he was in Cocoon. Wilford Brimley. He let all the characters, no you're right. He, he always played like 70-year-old men, but he was in his 50s. Could you imagine? He, he, did so the oatmeal, he did the oatmeal yeah. commercials. He was yeah. like yeah. Made, his career. Yeah. He made his career on being looking old. He was probably like, yeah, I'm 27. Like, no, you're not. You're like 52. No, I'm 27. You're in a long career in this old guy game. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yep. How are the passengers doing? I won't deceive you, Mr. Stryker. We're running out of time. Surely there must be something you can do. I'm doing everything I can. Now stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. All right, let's.
let's ask another question, and this one comes from Matt Culbertson, a big fan of ours, good guy on Facebook. Thanks for always uh, being there. It's pretty sweet. Um, you are a good fan of Pyro. Appreciate it. Uh, is the third year wideout still a thing? I know you guys have said in previous seasons that it was a fading trend, but I'm starting to think there's a new trend developing where if a wide receiver doesn't hit it in the first two seasons, he is basically done replaced with a vet. What are your thoughts? Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, it, it never was a thing and it never will be a thing, this third year wideout thing. It, it, I've proven it. I, I mean, yeah, we've we got to resurrect that one. Yeah, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that one back in, back into the mix. But from what I I showed in the previous article that I did is that if you haven't done it in the first year or two, you don't. You normally don't do it. Or if you do end up doing it, are you talking about marriage right now? <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I thought we were still talking about glue. Is that <laughs> talking about marriage? I'm scared. I've never been so scared. Besides, I'm 26 and I'm not married. And we're going to make it. You've got to believe that. Dr. Rumack, do you have any idea when we'll be landing? Pretty soon. How are you bring up? Well, to be honest, I've never been so scared. But at least I have a husband. year or two and you're a stud immediately or if you do end up doing it it's it's later in life where you've learned a, a bunch already in the NFL and you finally developed into a receiver uh, that could put forth his best stuff later on year five or six um, it, it does happen in the third year here and there but it's rare it, to be honest I mean if you're looking at the third year receivers coming up for this year um, Tavon Austin uh, hasn't done it yet don't expect a breakout out of him DeAndre Hopkins, already broke out. He's a stud and everybody knows already. Corderell Patterson, he's kind of buried himself in the, uh, on the chart there. Justin Hunter, I'm not really expecting a breakout there. Robert Woods, uh, Aaron he's, Dobson. He's, he's what he is. Yeah, he's, he's what he is. What he is. Aaron what he Dobson, is. that's a potential, I suppose, but that's an offense-related thing. It's the Patriots, you never kind of know. Terrence Williams. He's already kind of showed, but he's kind of he showed what he is. But yeah. he's he's not going to be a total stud. He's already got he's not going to be a 13, 1400 yard receiver. No, he's right. he's just not. Keenan Allen busted out that first year. He's kind of regressed since, but he, I mean, you can't say he's a third. You know, going to be a third year wideout stud. Uh, then there's guys like uh, Marquise Goodwin, Marcus Whedon, Stedman Bailey, Ace Sanders, Josh Boyce, uh, Quentin Patton. Who knows? Kenny Stills. That's a possibility there, I guess, but. Those are the type of guys. Those are the guys that were drafted uh, and will come into their third year this year. Charles Johnson. That's another one, I guess, maybe. But he got. But he almost. He showed the signs last year. So here's the thing. I think too, when you look at it, it was maybe more of a trend from 1980 to 1995-96. Yes. Okay. Because think about what the game was back then. It was a run-first game. What did teams do? They started two wide receivers, and that's all you saw. Maybe once in a while, you got three wide receiver sets. Now. Teams implement a three-wide receiver set from the get-go and go to four- and five-wide receiver sets. So when we, we, I hearken back to always Carl Pickens and, the, and his amazing 26 catches, 300 or whatever yards, and a touchdown as the rookie of the year is because back then teams did not elevate wide receivers as early as they are now. They are not putting them into these situations that they are now. So to, his, to uh, uh, Matt's point, 
Yeah, I, I think it is kind of the newer trend where if you don't show anything in your first or second year, you're not going to get the opportunities in your third year. They're probably drafting somebody else already to take that spot from you because you didn't do it. Or they found some, yeah. Or they found a vet or something like that to put into that uh, that role that you were supposed to be, and just shore it up and have it be a constant instead of learning on the job, which they used to give you opportunities, wide receivers back in the day to develop. They would give you a couple years to develop within the offense, and then maybe you would break out that third year. Now, if you don't do it in year one or two, they coaches think they know it all mostly nowadays. Um, some of them, uh, some of them can check their egos, but most of them think that uh, they know it all. And if they look at you and they don't like you for one season, you're probably gone. Yeah, you're either traded or you're dropped or you're so far down the, the, the you know the uh, death chart that you don't you don't get the chance again unless other people get injured. That's just the way it is today. Yeah. And especially being the passing league that we're in right now, you got to come in and produce. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and they, and a lot of rookies are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. We'll do one more question, and I think we're going to be pretty close to shutting it down here. Um, uh, this was a, this was a good show. Uh, I'll do some more pirate promos as we segue out, and then uh, we will uh, roll. But this is from Duncan Wolf, our boy, Mister Good Looking on Facebook. Uh, if I was in a ten-team league with you guys, Dog, D-Rex, Dini, and Stag Party, and only four teams made the playoffs, which of you would not get in? I like that. And he assumes that yeah, he's the he one of the teams that he's the one. This guy is your piece of work. I love, I love, your, style. I love your style. Probably at public enemy number one in any league you're in. I like that. I like it a lot. I'm probably in, in the leagues I'm in as well. But I think uh, what's most telling is his last word yeah. here. Yeah, I'm thinking Stag. Looking forward to the volume three of the draft kit. LOL. Uh, so, truth is, one, first off, I want to say. Guys, I think we got to resurrect the Pyro League this year. We've got enough guys. I think we've got, I think about, so I think we've got about eight guys that are full-time that would be, and maybe what we'll do is we'll decide whether we want to do a 10 or a 12-man, and we'll open it up either to two or four people. If we can uh, do 12, I'd like to do 12. Okay. I, 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 whatever it is. Um, but I think we should resurrect that league because I think it's something now we have enough players that we can really fuel it with ongoing banter and content through the podcast, through the podcast light. Through our pieces and through Twitter, where we got more people on there, and we can really kind of use this as content. Where in the past we wanted to, but it was three of us doing all the content. It was like, okay, yeah, let's do a weekly update about our league, and it just kind of fell off. Yeah. Now, we did do the leagues and we put our best foot forward to it. I think the first year, I, the first year of it, I was in the championship and I lost to who? Do you remember? Who did I lose to that first year? Was it Stags? I think it was Stags or was, was it, it? I think it was it Stags. I think Stags might have won the first year. So Stags is good. Next year, Stags made the made it again. So in all I honesty, did, Dunk- I think Stags the the one that definitely gets it. Yes. to be honest, Stags, Stags he's, he's really good at this. He, no, he, he, no he doubt works. about it. No doubt about it. He works really hard at it. He's like a very organized like. He works hard at that stuff. I, so, I, I would I would put forth that I would probably be the one initially based on my past performances in these leagues again because I've been so geared into keeper and dynasty leagues that it's affected how I've been drafting in these in these leagues and. Now I think that I, I'll, I'll take my chances this year because I, I've much firmly been more focusing on how I'm going to draft in my annual leagues and I'm not making the same pitfall mistakes that I've been making the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a toss-up. I, I, I make. I think I've made the playoffs in most of the, uh, the pyro leagues. I just haven't won it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I could get to the playoffs. Sometimes I'm not. I'm not so much a closer. 
but I don't know why, but I, I, I can't really close the show. Uh, too much glue and, and, and markers. That's, that's, that's pretty much what it is. It'll, it'll do it to anybody. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think there's a lot of things. I, I think I, in one league I was in last year, a brand new league, big money league, um, I ended up in third to last place. And, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't a huge And that was an 18 league. Okay, so it was 18 league, third to last place, um, big money in. I picked Adrian Peterson with the first overall pick. You know, I hate to use that as an excuse, but had I picked Adrian Peterson and he had, had his worst season as a pro, his worst season, I would have won total points and made the playoffs. You know, I was still right there in total points. So there's just the thing about fantasy, and people always, because we do this thing, they're always like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be in your league. Oh, I, even the guy that was in this new league last year, I don't want to be in a league with D-Rex. He's going to kill us. He ended up having ODB and Eli Manning won it, you know. Yeah. So it's one of those things where people always just expect that we win every league we're in, um, and it just doesn't work that way. There's too many things that go into the season that can go right, go left, injuries. You can make one pick and it's wrong. But this is why every time I'm at a highway stop, I give the guy money. I give people money. I'm right, nice to people. <laughs> I buy the streetwise off the guy, and I, I give them the money, and I don't even need to keep it. I help people take their uh, their uh, groceries out of their car. The next door neighbor parks in my driveway. Um, I don't lift uh, beds into custom vans. I don't help that person. Uh, I don't want to be uh, put the lotion in the basket. But I am. <laughs> I was gonna see how long you guys got. It took yeah, you guys to get that what one. The fuck you know, is like, into the customer. Can I help me here? Can I get some help here? Thanks. You buy a size fourteen. <laughs> Pretty much, though, we do enough preparation in the all the off season that I do, and I feel this way. And dog, sometimes I'm in the in the draft time with you. I do feel like you walked out of a draft with me. But it's one of us, one or us that I feel like comes with the out of the draft of the best team and when that it's happens true. and I get home I just look in the mirror and I go I'd fuck me <laughs> well I mean, you know when you talk about you know the teams that have the best points in my Walter Payton league uh, we go through the entire season and it goes into the playoffs the team that has won the best points every year has never won the title yeah so, hey, they have the best regular season record or whatever. It's uh, the number two team won last year. The, the year before, it was the number three ranked team. The year before that, it was the number five ranked team in the playoffs. The year before that, uh, the number one ranked team, but he didn't have the most points. So, it, it, you just keep going, and it, it, it's always like that. It's just, it, you can't count on it. We, I will mention, though, that we all went to, what was that convention? That ES, ESPN. ESPN, the ESPN convention. We all joined in, in leagues um, yeah. with a bunch of... You know, random, random fancy, people, yep. random fancy people. I think there were some experts uh, sprinkled in throughout it, but I think we all made the playoffs. Yeah, in each of our leagues, and I think I won. I think I won mine. I lost in the championship. Yeah, I lost the championship. But remember, overall that Over. year, I was like thirty third. Yeah, overall, like and you were like, yeah, you were like top twenty, yeah, 12, or yeah. maybe top twelve or something. That was like out of twelve hundred teams, or right? Something. Yeah, there <laughs> something was a like ton that. of teams, and we were a couple of us were in the top hundred. And you, you lit it up. You just had I don't remember what your team was. That was probably four or five years ago. Yeah, but so, yeah, were, Duncan, were, we wouldn't let you up, but that's yeah. I mean, I guess if one of us weren't going to make it, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Stag party wouldn't make it. <laughs> We're gonna say that because he's not here. He yeah. will be listening to it right right now. He's cursing us. He, he's even he's sipping on a, a monster. All right, I'll leave three men up in the tower. You know bar, you must see us. Me, John, Big Tree. Stand by, striker. We're going to the tower. Good luck. We're going to the tower. The tower? 
Rapunzel! Rapunzel! <laughs> we all need to watch this movie. Tomorrow night, go Blackhawks. Check out the uh, Mo's going to be back on doing his Pyromaniac Mo interviews. Uh, I'm not going to commit or give something, but he said he's got a couple people in the pipelines. We're doing some exciting stuff, like we mentioned with the Pyro Podcast Lite. Go out and buy that draft kit. Version 3 comes out this week. We're sprinkling in some manifestos. All of our draft and uh, uh, draft strategies, um, and not all of our draft tiers and our collective tiers will be updated. There's a number of other things that we've done uh, throughout this one. Dogmatica added a, a number of different wrinkles to the strength of schedule. I'd say the strength schedule from version 2 to version 3 is almost 150 times better. Yeah, and they're pretty sweet on the yeah. first uh, in draft kit version 2. So that's going to be beautiful. I just also know when you talk about our tiers, I know that my tiers had some major movers major. Uh, from, oh, tier, from version 2 to version 3. So this is also kind of... Major. It's great for you guys that have already gotten the, the, the first two versions and you can see how our tiers continue to develop over time. So know that just because you what that's what we were saying a month ago, it changes. Yeah, oh absolutely. So it's gonna be a, it's an awesome piece. So Stag Party while he's not here, uh in Dogmatica uh, really work hard on that. Um and it's just a badass thing. So all you people that are buying that thing, we appreciate it. Hope you're loving it. Uh let's keep doing it. Anyway guys, this has been a great podcast, episode sixteen. Uh in-season management. If you ever have any questions, part of the Pyro Pro that's going to be a big anchor in that is being able to ask us those second opinions. You'll notice that we took that away from our website. That's changing, changing the guard. But you can ask some questions currently until we launch on Facebook and Twitter uh, and direct a message from our footer on our site. So uh, thanks a lot for listening on, guys. And uh, well, we're me, loving it. And let me, we're closing out again. It's the Shaolin Afronauts. The uh, opening song was the Shaolin theme. Uh, this last one is, is my favorite song by them, Kilimanjaro, 18-piece uh, Afro uh, beat band in the, in the spirit of Fela from Australia. Later. Thanks, guys.
Up on the rebound on the men's side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Got me some slack, Jeff. It's a cutting thing. Chump don't want to help. Chump don't get that care. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus